This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. Uh, I'm RJ Bailog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spying number at a time in order of release. This week we're sucking on stiletto heels and getting shit hammered into our junk as we watch Spine mm. 223 in the Criterion Collection, Barbet Schroeder's Matrice from 1976. <laughs> but first, RJ, it's Thursday. Mm. It's Thursday? It's Thursday. What day do we uh, normally record on, Jared? On Wednesday. So, oh, my dude. What happened? What, what happened indeed? Um, well, I guess lots of things happened. Uh, for instance, mm-hmm. about 10 minutes into recording this very episode, um, the laptop I use just decided to stop working in a way that... Uh, mm-hmm. The microphone couldn't connect because there's nothing to connect it to. And uh, not mm-hmm. only that, RJ, it uh, it wouldn't take any more power. It just, you couldn't actually connect uh, power to it. It's mm. one of those great innovations from uh, Apple, you know? the You can't use your uh-huh. computer because we put everything onto these USB-C ports that no one else uses, mm-hmm. but we do. So... Like all your ports went out and I imagine you were probably with all your equipment, what do you have like nine dongles all with like all on each side? I had one big dongle and uh, it's the one I mm. use all the time. It's mm-hmm. never, it's never failed. Uh, I plug uh-huh. it in like normal with the very mic I'm recording with this very moment. And uh, all of a sudden yep. I got this little warning and I believe you described it as like the wind it uh yeah we were talking and then out of nowhere it was just like like a cool summer breeze Jarrett. like a cool and then you were gone yeah and that was that and then i mean we could we could talk we could have kept recording but uh who knows Mm. how long the uh how much battery power skype uses up and then that laptop would die and then at that point Mm -hmm. i wouldn't have been able to really focus on recording an episode because i was i would be thinking what's going on what's happened and i tried all the tricks Mm -hmm. in the book but uh to no avail but but i now have that laptop in the shop and it is indeed Mm -hmm. broken the way that i thought it was so it's going to be a week out Mm. but in the meantime with all this uh covid action going on i was able to acquire a desktop computer from work so i can actually do my day job stuff still and uh, here Mm -hmm. we are RJ's when you say having a sip of something when you say acquire do you mean like did you mug somebody (laughs) did I jump to somebody so yeah there's a right now uh the campus is on lockdown no one's allowed Mm -hmm. on at all like everything's like literally locked up so I had to uh send an email asking please let me get uh, a computer to do my job (laughs) and uh Uh apparently a lot of people ask and they're turned down flat but Mm. I was immediately approved. Did was it because you told them Why? that you you were affiliated with a number one globally successful phenomenon podcast? Well, that's I, that was my closer. I mean, I figured that like mm. me being able to do my job was probably kind of convincing. But when I explained, you know, I have a podcast to do, and they went, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, slow down there! You're a, you're a, mm. you are a podcaster." I didn't know they had those in mm-hmm. Lethbridge, and I went, "You're damn right." And, uh, yeah. Mm. Well, I'm, uh, I'm just impressed with your, um, 
your sheer will and fortitude to accomplish this task. Uh, and I think it just really goes to show uh, this whole COVID situation has showed us the fragility of life, Jarrett. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess it's also showing us the fragility and delicateness of podcasting. Because what would happen if uh, your favorite podcaster's computer was broke? Not everyone can just go out there and buy a new laptop. We don't all have those Patreon bucks. It's true. So uh, what do you do in that situation, Jared? I mean, I I was mostly just worried for our dear listeners. I mean, mean, they were probably Mm. frightened, scared, Mm -hmm. a little concerned. Mm -hmm. I believe that there Mm -hmm. was the the, the search parties were just about to be sent out. And then someone said, hey, maybe we should just message them. Um, Find out. Yeah, I uh, I personally was uh, called. There was a call to alarm <laughs> by like <laughs> speaking through Burp's Jarrett. Like nine or nine or twelve people at least were just like, "Yo, what the fuck?" And uh, it it was more out of anger than concern. It wasn't like, "Are you guys all right?" It was more like, "Where the fuck?" Make with the funny. Make the content. And uh, so it's good to know that if if either of us ever dies. There, an alarm will be raised immediately from uh, the podcast people. As soon as there isn't a new episode on a Wednesday, uh, someone's going to hear about it, right? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's good. It's good to have that network out in the world. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, and you know what? The good thing is we uh, we only missed like 10 minutes, and it was probably one of the, it wasn't, it wasn't an all-time banger for a preamble, so... Uh, we didn't miss much. No, right here. Yeah, there was a a little bit of talk about uh, your what you were going to be drinking, Black Russians mm. or something. So you're yep. really digging deep down into the back of the cupboard for some uh, stinky drinks. Stain, stinky drinks. Yeah, I was uh, yesterday was a dire situation, so I was I was really digging into the the well, the reserve of uh, what I have in the cupboards. But uh, it's a new day, a new dime, and uh, we're okay. I went out to. Today, I was going to try to get some scissors for haircutting because Andrew's going to cut my hair. But uh, the store was sold out, my man, oh, of haircutting scissors. Definitely. Yeah, this, it would have been a good time to invest in some uh, uh, hair maintenance mm-hmm. tools. I mean, <laughs> my uh, my sister is a hairdresser, and she has all that stuff at her house. So I could go borrow that. It's just, you know, we're trying to take the social distancing thing serious because the government told us to. So we're like, all right, I won't go get my hair cut by my sister. I'll get my hair cut by my wife at home in the bathtub. Like a man. Like a man. Or a dog. So, uh, Or a dog, whatever. So I think I might do that. I was pretty alarmed by the, the amount of people that were out just kicking around. I was like, whoa, where are you guys supposed to be? I only leave the house once a week. Well, what are you guys doing? Things have gotten so out of hand. They've even had to uh, turn a lot of our uh, public parks into one-way traffic. Because you just can't. I mean, humanity cannot be trusted. We've I've said that since since go. Sometimes you and me will go for a walk around the park, and there's just animals sweating up right in the middle of the walkway, and it's like, get out of here, get, go, scoot. So I mean, other than that, what else is going on with you, Jer? I don't know. Uh, doing a lot of doing a lot of cooking still. Trying out those new recipes. Made a mm. vegan mole uh, chili. Mm. Okay, so when you say mole, was this like an all-day simmer kind of mole thing? Because like mole, mole, Mexican mm. mole is yes. pretty tough to do. It's like a two, three-day event, isn't it? Well, this is was not that. This was definitely okay. – th- this was the opportunity to bust out the Dutch uh-huh. oven. 
and do Ooh. a. Uh, I mean, it was at least how long was this thing? Four hours of cooking. So it's, it's pretty it's, good. It's not no uh, forty-eight hour affair, but I know you can go longer. Mm-hmm. Um, this was the first time I've ever actually made mole. Um, I don't know if I've really even had mole. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that one of the Mexican places in town does offer it once in a while, mm-hmm. but it's more of a it's more of a flavorful sauce, and I, I usually lean toward the the hot. Mm. Well, friend of the show, Ryan Nagel, could attest. Uh, he's had Big City Burrito, and one of the essential things to get on there is chicken mole. Ooh. It just pairs with all those other flavors. Ooh, Jarrett, it is so good. I might try to whip some of that out right now. So he made a vegan mole. Uh, what else did you uh, dabble in this last week? Damn. Uh, well, there was sort of a modified Easter Sunday dinner observing social distancing. Mm. And so mm-hmm. a uh, there was a salted caramel tart. Tort, Ooh. Uh, that was on the menu. Um, mm-hmm. There was a sort of a butternut squash. Uh, what else was there? Caramelized onions, Swiss cheese, mm. and a puffed pastry. Oh, pretty fancy. Pretty goddamn delightful yeah. as well. Mm. Yeah, we uh, we had a little Easter turkey dropped off to us, so that was pretty nice. Nice. Pretty nice. So we made something the other day, and I got to say, I was uh, I was majorly disappointed in it. We made a buttermilk biscuits. Yeah. And um, what did you do wrong? Like, what did you do to them? Nothing. Nothing. I'm gonna I'm gonna say what what everyone is thinking, and no one's brave enough to say it. Buttermilk biscuits are overrated. No, they're not. Is, no, they're overrated. No, my you, man, you did something wrong. They're amazing. They're overrated. They are amazing. <laughs> I don't. I don't. It's like just. It's just a dusty old fucking cracker. Like what? That's oh, it. You're, okay, you're doing something. There's something wrong here, my man. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not gonna try again. So I'm gonna leave it at that. And then maybe one day, if I go to a store, if the world ever reopens, then maybe I'll try again. Okay. Mm. All right. Mm. Okay. Okay. All right. I was gonna say something. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, moving away from uh, cooking, I have a question for you because me and Andrea have been having some marital discourse about this. When you go home, pr- even pre-pandemic, when you're at home, say you wake up on like a Saturday morning and you know you're going to spend the entire day at home. Yes. Do you put deodorant on? Yes. Always. Yes. If as soon as I shower, I okay. I I don't. Oh. Ugh. Because deodorant is bad for you. It's got all that uh, aluminum in it and all that stuff. I'll wear it when I leave the house. I'm a, a, a contributing member of society. I know I can't stink when I go out there. But when I know I'm going to stay home, I'm not going to put deodorant on. No way. No way. Hmm. So Andrew thinks it's getting a little ripe. But uh, yeah. I think it's my right, my right to not have to wear deodorant when I'm at home. Well... Let's turn it over to the email so you don't say anything more incriminating about yourself. I'm also not clipping my fingernails. Fuck it. No, I'm, so going, I'm going Howard Hughes. You can all Howard Hughes up in here shitting on buttermilk biscuits. What the mm-hmm. fuck? Yeah, I've had it. God, I'm, I'm telling it like it is. Well, okay, so emails. But do, before uh-huh. we get to those emails, uh, should I share this great uh, piece of YouTube comment we got on our Naked Lunch episode? I think you should because uh, I think uh, some of, I know some of our friends of the shows and listeners out there they might have um, 
something that they a response to uh, this this comment, and you can find it on the YouTube on Naked Lunch. So take it away, Jer. All right. Well, uh, from number one fan James Netwall, mm-hmm. bad dude. You know, if you scratch or if you stretch deep enough on any human being, you're going to find flaws. I don't. Mm. I don't tune in podcasts on subjects to hear a critique of a person's lifestyle choice or their actions. What did you think of the actual work of art? This is one annoying thing that has really come about in politically correct culture where now we take people and we find one bad thing they did, like say they got into an argument with a spouse and hit them. And this is now the focus of everything. And their arts is now completely thrown Mm -hmm. away because of this one action. People make mistakes. People do horrible things. All people do, maybe not you too. But then again, you too seem like you're about as interesting as styrofoam. Shame too. I thought the Criterion Collection would have a better people working there i'm not saying bros is perfect and that everybody should read him he's acquired taste to be sure but yeah youtube right from the start with a snag little tone your voice is a pretty much new this was going to be a slam piece i bobs for two men who are obviously have never done a horrible thing in their whole lives congratulations jesus must be proud of you both that's it. <laughs> I didn't realize uh, we were f- actually finally endorsed by Criterion. I yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, like this is news to us that we're we're officially under the payroll. I love William. Terrific. I, I do love William Bros. Bros. <laughs> William Bros. Yeah. I have a few things to say, Jared. Um, I find uh, you know who. Who who hasn't gotten in an argument with their spouse and resorted to violence, right? Does that mean it's a you're a bad dude? Interesting. I mean, for one, William Burroughs killed his wife. So it's even though I don't I don't really I'm not splitting a hair. I think if you were beating up your wife, that's just as bad as killing them, maybe. You know? So uh and then on to- on top of that, um I it's interesting that they're like, I was here to assess the art, not the guy. It's like, but Naked Lunch is about William Burroughs. And his all of his writing was about himself. So it's like, what do you what do you want, bud? What 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 are you trying to what are you trying to say, man? I mean, I feel like it would have been if we start talking about like, I don't know, whatever David Cronenberg's done in his personal life, mm-hmm. which we didn't actually do at all. Um, and I'm pretty sure he hasn't done anything like that, so I don't know. I don't get it. And I think, I'm uh, pretty, and I recall, I think, in that episode, I mean, we kind of talked about how it's kind of surprising that that conversation hasn't happened with Burroughs, um, all things mm-hmm. considered. So, I mean, it's, but apparently we were out to slam him. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know where the slam piece ever started because I think we were, we liked the movie. We talked about how much we enjoyed it. And just, I think, casually, I mentioned, I was like, yeah, he's kind of a bad dude. I think he beat up his wife and was maybe a little predatory. But uh, that's just in the documentary. Like, <laughs> what do you what do you want me to say, right, Jer? Uh, so politically correct, RJ. Well, I mean, our our friends and fans out there, they can uh, they can do what they with that as they they want. So just putting it out there. That's a mm-hmm. that's a new all time uh, all time uh, review for us. I think. I think so. On mm-hmm. to the email. Email. We've got mm-hmm. Oliver Granger. With an email <gasps> titled, My Favorite Moment. Oops, oh, forgot dear. to send this last week. Hi there, creeps. Mm. My favorite moment was when RJ didn't realize that two actors were playing that one character, even though mm. I did the same thing. 
Or when RJ talked at length about his new job, then next week the episode started Jared saying, so RJ, what's it like to be jobless or something like that? The saga um, of capes was very memorable too. Yeah. I gotta say those were high, high points in my life also, not just in the <laughs> podcast. And, uh, don't other people wish that chronicles of their life were documented for the public, for everyone to experience. So it's like, yeah, who, who out there hasn't maybe jumped at a job opportunity, realized it wasn't the right one and then removed themselves from the situation. I mean, as that review pointed out earlier, who hasn't made a mistake, Jared? So him and his wife got in an argument and he got a little physical. Are we going to judge him on that? I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> um, something about characters on a podcast. And mm. uh, it's a, it's a yeah. satire parody. Not our, yeah, these, these, are, these are not our own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We are the uh, Alex Jones of the Criterion world. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, those are all, all great moments, RJ. Great moments. Capes. Agreed. Uh, yeah. And actually someone recently did uh, on YouTube mention that they didn't realize that they were two different actresses as well. So mm-hmm. just, there's something wrong with you all. I don't know. <laughs> we're the only ones keeping it real, Jared. We're the only ones like that are, brave enough to admit that yep. uh, they never noticed. That's all it is. Next up, Justin Peterson. Mm. Ooh, baby. Hey, Jared and RJ, what's happening? We are now in week five of this coronavirus mm. quarantine, and this new life mm. of limited social interactions is starting to feel like the new normal. And it is interesting mm-hmm. to hear how people are planning to return to normal when there is currently no end in sight. So mm. my main COVID-19 story of the week took place on a harmless community walking bike trail that's where a lady walking her dog began hysterically yelling at my sons because they were inconveniencing her by stopping at the two road intersections that we were near her at because they were waiting for me before they crossed and she yelled what is wrong with you people don't you know what six feet is i also happened Hmm. to see a person driving their car with a face mask on which i found bizarre Finally, we are down to our last jumbo pack of toilet paper, and there have been no signs that stores will be restocking anytime soon. What are we going to do mm. if we run out? Um, I think you can order uh, like a, a bidet attachment for your toilet off of Amazon for like 50 bucks or something. Apparently, they're all the rage for butts. Well, I, I think you have to, you can only buy bidets though with plastic money. Oh. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, I want to hear more about these people that just yell at other people. Well, there's like there's some pretty good video compilations of um, people having some real freakouts, coughing on door mm. handles and spitting at Walmart employees because they want mm. to see how much something costs. Right. Uh, yeah. And, 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 hey, and again, this is only five weeks. I think the uh, the any sort of caution people were practicing before, I think it might be out mm-hmm. the window now. I think people are getting a little loose out there, uh, even mm-hmm. more, even worse now, because now they're going to take advantage of the fact that other people are like trying to play it safe. And now they can really push those boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. There was a guy at the grocery store when I went on, I go once a week and this guy, he was like right beside me. And like he, I looked at him, I gave him like a huh kind of look and like he just blew it off. He was like, what? 
And it's like, I I almost freaked out on that guy. I was going to tell him to get six six meters back. <laughs> six so meters. Get, get go on, gone. Go on, get. Get, get. And uh, in terms of the mask driving the car, I think I can explain that. Our health professionals here uh, have instructed us, the only way masks are efficient is if you wash your hands, oh. then go out in the world, don't touch it. Ever. So you should, 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 sorry, you should wash your hands and then put on the mask? Yeah, wash your hands and then put on your mask. Because if you if you don't wash your hands first, then your hands are dirty and you just touch your face. So then you put your mask on. Then you go out and do all your stuff. Don't ever touch it, not even once. Come back, wash your hands again, and then take your mask off. That is the proper way to do it. Sounds right to me. Mm-hmm. So just so you know. Em- embrace your inner bandito. Hmm. 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 I'm. I'm just gonna wrap some toilet paper around my face. Well, hey, you better send some of that Justin's way. I would, but no. <laughs> Justin continues. It's certainly a brave hmm. new world out there, chaps. A brave new world. So late last night, I finally got around to start watching Future Creep, Jean-Luc Godard's Weekend, and I can Oof. easily say I have never seen a movie like it before, where the director's whole goal is to fuck with the audience. Can you think of hmm. any others? Capes, capes. <laughs> that, Surely, as, that's as good as any. I mean, that kind of—I uh, feel like most of the kind of your experimental art house movies uh, mm-hmm. fit into that pretty good. Yeah, uh, Gaspar Noe movies. Uh, mm. Maybe not Enter the Void, but his—is uh, it Porno? Is that the name of Climax? His name? Climax. Yeah, th- that movie mm-hmm. or Love, or, or he also did one called Love, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't really know Gaspar Noe that well. I had a friend, though, who just recently watched Climax, and I think they said it was pretty, pretty bad. So I, I hear that. Is, yeah, his stuff is love-hate, but mm, mm-hmm. I think it also, even within his movies, you can like one a lot and not like the next. What about Kevin Smith movies? Well, I feel like that's a one-way street. You don't think he's trying to fuck with his audience? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Okay. Turning to physical media now, what are currently mm-hmm. the DVDs and Blu-rays in your collection that you will care the most about? For me, it would be my Clockwork Orange Steelbook that I imported from Europe and my Decalogue Criterion that I got in the last flash sale because it has a short film about love on it, which I still need to watch. Ooh, I think my DVD that I have, like, I guess, like a fondness for is the Eraserhead that david lynch was personally selling on his website way back which was the entire reason i got a credit card in the first place way back Mm -hmm. when um that cost me way too much money like 60 dollars us back then but it's huge and i still have it even though i have that criterion blu-ray that looks Mm -hmm. probably a lot better now but i have a fondness for that uh, I have a batman v superman steel book that was uh, an exclusive up here that's pretty cool but uh, in in other news, like I don't I don't really know. I have a couple sets that I think are pretty cool. I did buy that Inception set that comes with the top, and it's in a little briefcase. As goofy and silly as that is now, like ten years later, I still think it's kind of neat. It's, it's interesting because um, I think it's like that's at the bottom of Andrea's list of things that she likes the most. Yeah. Yeah, she well, she doesn't like any of my stuff. She frequently wants me to get rid of all of it. Um, and I mean, she's probably right. 
uh, she usually is. But uh, one thing that I wish I had bought, uh, I just I like before we started, I was looking at my Amazon cart. Uh, I, I like to check the price changes, and uh, I had a copy, a Blu-ray copy of City Slickers Two, Curly's Gold, saved in my for later because I was like, well, if it ever goes on a hot sale, maybe I'll buy it. <laughs> and I just noticed that it jumped up to eighty-eight dollars, and I was oh. like, huh? I guess it went out <laughs> for, of print or something. Temporarily. For Curly's gold? Damn, damn right. What? There's like that big Billy, uh, that big push for Billy Crystal going on. Well, so that's uh, some some definite uh, remorse there for not buying. So that <sighs> that would have been my my top pick. Damn. Now to flip this or to now now to the flip side. Which DVD or Blu-ray do you own that you could not care less about? My father gave me the 4K of Hobbs and Shaw, and since I don't give a shit about the Fast and Furious franchise, I have no clue when I will ever want to put that disc in the player. Who boy. Um well, you I'm, have I'm, a whole box, don't you? I have I have a bin filled with mm-hmm. uh DVDs and Blu-rays I could care less about. I could care mm-hmm. less about, I suppose. I don't know if I could not care less about them. I guess they're in a bin. Mm-hmm. That's pretty bad. Um, I don't know if there's any I'd like take out and like ride around on, like I was on a skateboard, really scraping up bad. I know at one mm-hmm. point um, uh, the, the copy of Armageddon that I uh, watched, that was Corey's, the Criterion, he was thinking about taking his out to the gun range and shooting it up. No, that's a good show. As a political action. I I but don't like it. I think that that would be very misguided because as we have mm-hmm. shown scientifically, uh, that is not the worst movie in the Criterion Collection at all. Agreed. As, as much Agreed. as uh, some cinephiles would like to say otherwise, um, they're wrong. They are wrong. Hundred percent. They're wrong. There are well, there are far worse movies. Hundred <laughs> percent. Mm-hmm. I would say for me, the movie I've been trying to get rid of for a long time but no one will bite is in my car and i've offered it to you i think three or four times i have a uh, copy of uh, steven soderbergh solaris that uh, has just been kicking around in in the back of my car for maybe two years and uh, no there no takers not a single person i've ever come across has wanted it so what are you gonna do right jer yeah that's pretty bad that's pretty bad mm-hmm uh, there is also this yeah. one movie that always comes to mind when I think of like absolutely worthless uh, DVDs. I don't know if you do you know the movies Mother's Boy, Mother's yeah. Boys with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, I think so. It sounds familiar. It's, I don't know it off. This but... thing just I don't know. Maybe this is like a Canadian thing, but it stunk up DVD carts like just like those big bins mm-hmm. filled with dvds you could always find this at grocery stores and i was just like mm-hmm. i always just burst out laughing because you'd be like, be like oh look it's mother's boys or whatever the hell it's <laughs> called and i never want to watch it but mm-hmm. oh, i know what my parents still have theirs uh, on the shelf do you think that they're gonna watch it during quarantine doubtful Could- doubtful they have netflix mm-hmm. now yeah but you burn through all the good stuff in like a day on netflix Goat movie question of the week. What are the greatest mm. of all time comedies that you do not like or you simply don't find that funny? For me, I would go with Anchorman, which I always thought was odd since mm. I worked in broadcast journalism and Spaceballs because that movie is super lame. Ooh. Oh, well. Well, I'm, uh, I, I I'm the wrong person to ask because I find most uh, popular comedies really bad. Like I'll say mm-hmm. Bill, Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted, not funny airplane uh, not that funny <laughs> uh 
Animal House. Not that funny. It's just a lot of that. A lot of those are just not my thing. I think that's fine. Uh, I was going to say, and I know you won't agree with me, but uh, you know what movies I don't actually think are that funny? And uh, frankly, I think are for super nerds. Monty Python. <sighs> RJ. RJ. Yeah, and I know everyone. You and your buttermilk biscuits, and now, now you're picking on Monty Python. It's it's old man humor, and I know I'm an old man just the same as you are, but give me some farts and some dumps. Not the Kevin Smith kind, the Swiss Army man kind. Uh, and that's that's good proper comedy. I, I don't want any of this Monty Python stuff anymore. The time has passed. I think it I missed oh, my chance. It, it has passed. It's, it's I mean for me personally. Yeah. Like I never watched it at the right time, and uh, it didn't leave that impression on me. I came at it too late, and it passed, and I missed it, and that's fine. Mm, really popular. You know? I'm looking at the best comedies of the 21st century right now. You are? Yeah. Uh, some guy missed me at a list. That's what he called it. Shh. The best comedies of the 21st century, like The Hangover. Apparently, Parasite is uh, one of the t- top comedies of uh, of all films. That's that's just silly. Deadpool, uh, Deadpool two. Do you think uh, those both fit in there, Jer? How about that? Uh, how about that? Step Brothers, RJ. I do, I do like Step Brothers. You know I like Richard Jenkins quite a bit. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. I I do think comedy is the the toughest nut though. I thought you were the toughest nut. Ayo. Finally, Jared, have you gotten that copy of The House That Built Jack yet? I'm looking forward to your review of it. Mm-hmm. I have not. I have to still order it, the the new, the final version of it that's on Blu-ray. Uh, for some reason, Amazon in Canada just never got it. So that's to the that. The house that Jack built? Yeah. Oh, is it good? It's supposed to be good. Uh, I still haven't ordered oh, it Oh, yeah, you've never seen it. Yeah. And which Lars von Trier movie should I watch next? The Five Obstructions or Epidemic? Uh, very strongly, The Five Obstructions. Absolutely. I think that movie is amazing. That's actually, I think, one of his best movies. I don't know any of that. This is true. Thanks for the so, time, guys, and have a great show. We will thank you. We will try for the second time. Yeah, we're hey, we're doing better than last time. We are. We are. Mm-hmm. Next up, Sam Sanchez with an email entitled Mikey. Hey again, guys. Mm-hmm. I just received an email from Jarrett regarding the upcoming release of Mikey. Looks like I and by connection and by connection, Criterion Creeps willed mm. something into existence. Your powers work on creation and not just destruction and death. Looks like it's coming in August, so perfect timing for my and Jared's birthday. I guess I'll hold up Ooh. until then to revisit something that I haven't seen in over twenty years. Not sure it'll hold up quite as well as my recent revisit of Joyride. Candy cane. <laughs> Joyride's a good movie, man. I'm glad Sam liked it. Uh, Joyride, I wish was better though, because I, oh, I, I was man, as you could expect, I was uh, obsessed with the can- the candy cane voice on the trailers because mm-hmm. it it is Buffalo Bill, like 100. Oh, yeah. percent And uh, yeah, yeah, I love that. It was rusty nails. <laughs> all all I know is that when did that movie come out? 2001, 2000, yeah. 2000. Yeah came out on video like the following year so i was probably 11 or 12 and i thought when they talked about him ripping a guy's jaw off that was just like 
the gnarliest shit. And I was like, this movie's awesome. I haven't seen it since then. So probably 18, 19 years, but uh, I'm going to hold it in my memory as a all time banger of a thriller. So I'm Sam agrees. I, I saw, Maybe. I saw your guys' mm-hmm. bromance uh, on uh, Letterboxd. <laughs> well, you got, you joyride, Jarrett. Steve's on. Steve's on. Steve's on. Mm-hmm. And also, correct me if I am wrong. Am I to understand RJ drove to Jarrett's house for a covert, no contact transaction and did not walk away with certain 70s films to watch? Just making sure I understood what transpired here. Also, uh, oh, yes. Well, I was going to say, do you want to address that or should we just leave well, it? I'll, let me just leave read, it as let, it let me just read. Also, barring uh-huh. any technical mishaps or shortcomings, it looks like pickup on South Street with a special guest is happening. Should be interesting. <gasps> Until then. Hmm. Well, Why, maybe we can just leave this hanging until next week. Maybe. Uh, watch that letterbox diary, Sam. Or or don't. Or don't. Whatever. And yeah, yeah whatever. Mikey, Mikey the uh, the 90s obscurity, like, about like a little kid slasher or something like that, uh, that Sam brought up like three weeks ago, saying, mm-hmm. hey, was there any weird movies you remember as a kid that no one else talks about? It got announced for coming out on Blu-ray. Uh, on Criterion? Just, no, sadly. Uh, oh. but, but this week, this week it's coming, or, or this week it was announced that it's going to be coming out, which is amazing. So anything's possible. I'm, I'm yeah. waiting for uh, Confessions of a Serial Killer myself. That's like some obscure thing to come out on a, some like mm-hmm. special edition, fully restored, struck from the uh, original film negative. I can't wait until Angus comes out on 4K. None of us can. None of us can. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, nice. Does Sam uh, continue, or is that that's, it? That's it. That's it for Sam. That's for now. Nice to hear from these guys. For now. Uh, next up, Frank Solano. Hours Ooh. upon hours of the Criterion Creeps. Uh. Hello, Creeps and Creepers. I hope you're all doing well and dandy. So last week, you mm. guys mentioned that you were waiting for us listeners to feed you back some of your best lines from the show. Well, hmm. hi- highlights, I suppose. I yeah. saw this as an opportunity to do something I've been meaning to do. Revisit every past Criterion Creeps episode oh, in order of release. Jesus Christ. Don't, don't do it, Frank. You got, uh, there's better things you can do with your time. Well, so um, it's been almost over two years since I last went at it and under easier circumstances. Being an unemployed person at the moment... <laughs> I find my mm-hmm. podcast listening habits dying. I'm down to only one podcast episode a week, being the creep show, of course. Keeping busy made it so much easier to listen because the pod would keep me engaged while I was occupied. Anyways, mm-hmm. even though I won't be chugging down episodes of premier podcasting like I used to, I still managed to revisit the first three episodes. And so here are the best lines. Uh, from episode one, I said, welcome to the sad bastards club and Ooh. fuck off. <laughs> that's that's good it's canon and uh rj said i'm the rolls royce of sitting on the toilet (laughs) it's uh it's good to know that both of our shticks were present from the very first episode and this movie's good but it didn't hit me where the sun don't shine (laughs) who said that me you Oh, I don't even know what that means. That's, but... I, I, was, I don't know if that's in reference to the Grand Illusion or not, or of uh, one of the other movies in the preamble. It's hard to say. Okay, episode two. Sure. Me, don't come to our show for correct pronunciation. <laughs> correct. 
Yep. Accurate. RJ, what have you been creeping on, Big Daddy? Mm. Also good. This yeah. is all gold so far. All gold. Episode three. No specific quotes, though this episode is noteworthy for A, the beginning of Skype interference, which continues mm. on uh, 190 episodes later. Because <laughs> this is episode 193. Holy fuck. 190 yep. episodes later. It's still... Fuck, a big big fuck off to you skype and b mm-hmm. rj admitting to almost getting inked with a mattress man tattoo from punch drunk love that's that mattress man that's that <laughs> uh frank mm. continues it's been interesting going back the original podcast theme song the theatrical release of suicide squad the criterion announcements <laughs> for one-eyed jacks and punch drunk love rj's mom listening listening in on the show this show in 10 mm. years will be great to dive back into from episode one to see how much has happened. Of course, we'll have to sit through hours upon hours of episodes, but it'll be worth it. Anyways, I have a little game to calm that gut punch mm. of nostalgia. Here it goes. RJ, if you had to replace the leading actor of one of these films with Jarrett, as in Jarrett will have starred mm. in it, which film mm-hmm. would it be? Eternal Sunshine, Punch Drunk mm-hmm. Love, Memento mm-hmm. or The Fountain mm-hmm. featuring Memento. Huge Jacked Man. Huge Jacked Man. I would say the one that I would get, I would feel the least bad about would be Memento mm-hmm. just because it's like, I, I've never actually been a huge Guy Pierce guy. Guy Pierce guy. So it's like, I wouldn't feel bad about that. But that said, I would like to see your take on The Fountain and how you would act in those certain <laughs> roles. And I would you adopt the diet and workout plan that huge jacked man has? D- does he do a bunch of uh, stunt eating in that? <laughs> well, I, I just mean for his general physique. Okay. You know, you know, I've only seen the fountain once and I barely remember it. You're a bad dude. You're a bad. Well, okay. So here's, here's a new Patreon goal we can have. Cause I know you have all these things set up based on things to make me do. I think one of our Patreon goals is for you to do a complete reenactment of The Fountain, maybe at home, right now, on quarantine. I don't know if you know this, but apparently Roger Corman opened up a contest I saw, uh, for people I to saw. Send, send in some videos. So maybe you should start doing some reenactments of The Fountain, Jared. Maybe. And I'll do a green book. And Jared, if RJ was to replace the leading actor from one of these four films, which would you choose? The Royal Tenenbaums with Gene Hackman, mm. Videodrome with James Woods, uh, Blue, mm-hmm. Vel- Blue Velvet, Isabella Rossellini. Ooh. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, that, that will ask for some nudity, RJ. Or the, the Last Temptation of Christ as Willem Dafoe. Mm, well, I mean, I feel good. like I think I would be denying RJ's true calling to like kind of pull like the ultimate Mel Gibson by outdoing Mel and playing mm. Jesus himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that would be totally fine. And hey, maybe, who knows, maybe my interpretation of that role will also include some full frontal nudity. Mayhaps. But I mean, I think there'd be some fun with uh, Videodrome because you'd have to mm-hmm. sexually debase yourself. And there's lots of, what ca- I there's, like, there's like canals and openings and holes. Hmm. Women asking you, would you like to try some things? Uh, um, maybe it would be cathartic for me. Maybe to live out my fears. That's right. Yeah. There's a cat. Maybe. 
Yeah. Did you see that? She jumped on my shoulder. Yeah, it's like a parrot. She's per- Yeah, she is. A little parrot cat. Looking off into the prairie sea in the basement. Uh, yeah, we're, our view of this window is a fence, so there's not much to see. But uh, she, she sees beyond the fence. Ah, uh, cats go into a different dimension, hey? Neil Gaiman style. Which of your favorite films would you guys potentially ruin by casting your co-host? All of them. All of them, All yeah. Of them. <laughs> well, I would like to see Jared and Savo. Ooh. Playing every role. Every role. I gotta, mm-hmm. I gotta sodomize myself. How's that different from every every day? Every Wednesday. Every Wednesday. Have a good one, folks, and I'll be back next week with the best quotes from episode four through six. My God. Ooh. And that normally would have been our last email, but we got one mm. more in response to our technical difficulties from Rob oh Beagle. <gasps> Creepsville, we have a problem. Hi, Creeps. Mm-hmm. Sad to hear about your technical difficulties. However, I have faith in you chaps to remedy the situation. Well, so far, your faith is well-placed. I'm sure, mm-hmm. even as I write, RJ is MacGyvering the required component from Raisin Bran Crunch Boxes, and you will soon be back on the air. To answer mm-hmm. your question from a couple weeks ago, one Creeps episode that particularly amused me was RJ describing his Halloween doorstep encounter with a 14-year-old kid who was a tad too old for trick-or-treating shenanigans. Mm. Which, which time? This has happened to me many times. <laughs> a lot of confrontations in RJ's house. Uh, I feel like, I don't know, like... I know we've both compared ourselves to Larry David in a few respects, mm-hmm. but I do feel like Larry David sometimes. I do get into a lot of confrontations with strangers. Yeah. So he, he might need to elaborate on that a little bit or not, you know, do whatever feels right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so onward, I've been rewatching The Sopranos, spurred Ooh. on by a new YouTube podcast hosted by cast members Michael Imperioli and Steve mm-hmm. Sharipa. You know about this, RJ? You know about this? I do. Friend of the show, Ryan Nagel. He's currently in season four or five of Sopranos. And uh, he showed me that podcast. It's Christopher and... Um, um, fuck, who's he? Steve What's Shreep. his name? You, Steve Shreep. You know... I don't actually know. You know... Uh, he Well, no, Bobby. Bobby Baklava. Oh, fuck. I just saw Bobby Baklava uh, shit out eggs in a YouTube video. Oh, my God. Well, I, <laughs> you never, uh, well, yes. we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Tim and Eric later. Yeah, the podcast, it's Christopher and Bobby. So, uh, which it sounds awesome. I have the first two episodes on my phone. I just, uh, I'm not doing any podcast listening because I'm at home. So, you know. Yeah, folks, if you want to check it out, look up my eggs, all one word, Tim and Eric on YouTube. It's, it's worth okay. it. Um, okay. Their podcast ain't bad, but they lack the rapport and humor of the global phenom, which is the Criterion Creeps. I love that mm-hmm. ass kissing. Love it. Mm-hmm. Keep well, on, most people do. Keep on creeping creeps. Well, thank you, mm-hmm. Rob. And we're here to record for you, for all. Well, it's it's nice to hear from all our friends. Indeed. Indeed. Hey, RJ. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Yo. What you been creeping on this week? What do you want to hear about Big Daddy? Uh, uh, TV, movies, what's what's good? Have you watched any movies? Uh, yeah, I've watched... Uh, let me count these fuckers for you. One, Fuck. uh, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and uh, eight, oh, and two shit. shorts. shit. When did you watch Beach Bum? 
last night, my man, because our oh, podcast was ruined. Okay. So I had a, I had some free time. Okay, what do I care about? Um, tell me about Total Fury, this corpse pick. This corpse pick. So, uh, as many people know, um, we have a, another friend of the show named Corpse who uh, hasn't written in a little while. But nevertheless, uh, I tried to be an active member of our community and uh, follow from the lead and example of uh, our contributors. So I saw that Corpse gave this movie four and a half stars, and I was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to give it a little go. So this is a ten minute uh, Canadian short, Jarrett. Canadian, French Canadian, even. Uh, so it's like uh, this girl, and how do I describe it? There's so in the description on Letterbox, it talks about Arnold Schwarzenegger a lot. I wasn't even going to mention that because I didn't know that that was in there. And then when it came up a couple times, I actually that was one of the joys I had out of it was the surprise of it. So you get this girl, she gets uh, kidnapped and sold to some torturists, uh, dudes torturists. that put her in. I don't know how to describe them. Torturists? It's like four guys that come and like want to torture her, like poke out her eyeball and uh, okay. s- like skin her and stuff like that. Sallow so, uh, fans. Yes, yeah, yeah, some sallow fans. Uh, so they're like torturing her, and um, it was pretty grimy stuff. And you're like, whoa, corpse pick indeed. Uh, and then it gets into um, the girl has kind of a flashback uh, of her childhood watching movies like Commando. Jarrett and total recall and it she uses that to channel her inner fury and she unleashes total fury and then she goes commando total recall on the torturists uh much like Arnold Schwarzenegger would um so total fury for like a 13 minute thing I I highly recommend this for uh like creeptober for you because it's a it's a nice easy mark to add into your numbers there um and it's got it's got some good, uh, good uh, effects. Uh, some of them are CGI, but there is a lot of practical effects, and it's all the stuff that uh, you like. It's um, you, you know, corpse picks pretty good too by now. It's lots of like heads exploding, lots of like I don't know, people punching through other people's dicks, things like that. Right. So it, it was actually it was pretty good. I uh, I don't rate stuff anymore unless I don't know. I'm really inconsistent. I'll rate some stuff and then not other things, but uh, it's good. I think um, you for sure during Creeptober definitely check it out okay and yeah, then so it's for, not bad okay and then for easter i see you embraced mm. christ in uh a few ways so i i watched a second cor- corpse pick mm-hmm. uh called fist of jesus which was a 10 10 15 minute short to uh and this thing too is like um it looks like they made it with the hope that it was a Kickstarter to get funded for like a full feature film. And it's basically what if Jesus, uh, after he resurrected Lazarus, uh, which everybody knows, I'm sure. Uh, what if Lazarus became a uh, zombie and then, uh, Jesus had to fight zombies and things like that. So it's lots of things of him, like making a bunch of fish out of one fish and throwing fish into zombies heads and things of that nature. Also pretty good. Uh, I would say another one that you could check out. I don't know when you would check it out. Well, but for um, both this, the... this sounds like a good double bill with uh, Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter. Oh, yeah. Throw it in, man. Throw it in there. It's uh, for these like sh- little shorts like these, these super uh, gra- or I don't even want to say graphic, but like hyper gory, like over the top heads exploding and things like that. If you're in the mood for it, if that's what you want to watch, both of those fit pretty nicely in there because they're 10 minute things of 
kind of goofy, funny heads exploding. Not for everyone, but, you know, if that's what you want, I recommend them. And I see there's also The King of Kings. King of Kings. So this was actually a movie uh, I've seen a few times, like, at my grandparents' house uh, way, way back, but only, like, bits and pieces because the older adults are watching it as you'd like run around as a kid but you'd stop for a couple minutes and watch and then keep running so this is your generic uh story of christ Jarrett. it starts with the birth and then you get a little bit later on you get him kind of prophesizing and uh you know teaching the masses he's teaching people the our father things like that you have him going into the uh, market freaking out flipping some tables he's like i don't like this it's not good. So he goes, uh, it's all the, the Jesus stuff. It ends with the crucifixion. He is truly the king of kings, as Mr. Burns would say. Um, and then, uh, what was I going to say? In terms of like the Jesus movies, there are much, much better ones. Like even the ones that are just like his story start to finish. Even if you don't like catholic christian stuff that doesn't matter like i think these old movies are kind of cool in their own rights like how ten commandments has the production and all that stuff is so luxurious and magical that uh you don't even have to take it as like a religious thing it's just kind of a cool fantasy movie um i think this has like elements of that but it's it doesn't really if you wanted a religious pick or even just an era of this that kind of takes place in that time there'd be a lot better ones you could watch the one thing though that i was interested in was uh this one has a, a barbershop scene and you see romans getting their haircuts huh. they got like a tarp that covers their body so they can't get hair on their uh tuni- uh tunics yeah and things like that so i thought that was really interesting because i was like i've never really seen romans get their hair cut before you never asked for it but you got it anyway I got it anyways. So, uh, yeah, King of Kings. It's not the best uh, of for my boy JC or uh, just of the era, um, but it does have, like, some of the shine where it's all those, like, the big production stuff that you get with these movies, and that's kind of neat to see. So Cool. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, and then I see you rewatch some comedies. Mm-hmm. Did you want to hear about Mary Magdalene, the other religious pick? I don't know. Do I? Joaquin Phoenix plays Jesus Christ. And how how is he? He's fine. How how is this movie by Garth Davis? <laughs> uh, it's fine. Uh, they're just talking uh, about Mary Magdalene and how um she was a, the thirteenth apostle, but then a couple hundred years later they they said she was a prostitute. And that's it. But the big thing to take away from this is I think this is where um, Rooney Mara and uh, Joaquin Phoenix met. And I believe they're dating now, Jarrett. Dating. So anyways, it's uh, pretty art housey, And uh, that's religious. And that was my Easter. Oh, I had another Easter film in there. But anyways, I did watch some comedies. Which ones do you want to hear about? Uh, how was The Cable Guy? Cable Guy is great. Dude, I don't know. I remember people did not like Cable Guy when it came out. People don't like Cable Guy now. Mm-hmm. I can tell by your tone, you're not a Cable Guy. I'm not a guy. Cable. I I saw this movie opening night because it was all mm-hmm. about that Jim Carrey, and it's like, what's mm-hmm. he going to do now? And of course, it's like this is also the one directed by old Ben Stiller. It is. When was have have you ever rewatched it? I have, and it still wasn't good. Okay, I think you and me are different guys. Um, I like it. It's kind of like 
I know it's it's Jim Carrey at his like max for the entire movie, where I think movies like say Ace Ventura, which is five star film, Jared. You get mm. Jim Carrey at his max for a few scenes in that movie, but not the whole movie. Cable Guy is him totally cranked out the entire time. Uh, I really like Jim Carrey in this. Uh, Andrea even said she's like, "Is this you?" Because Jim Carrey's sad. He watches TV raised him. He's like doesn't know how to talk to people. He's maybe on a spectrum of some sort, kind of how Andrea thinks I am. Uh, so she actually, she hadn't seen this since she was like a little kid and uh, she enjoyed it a lot too. Her big comment was whenever Matthew Broderick was on acting, she's like, is this guy a fucking actor? She's like, what is this? Uh, he is awful in this movie. And like, this is in 96. This is probably pretty close to uh, the incident. <laughs> Jarrett, well, so you, are, wait, uh, whoa, we, whoa, hey, keep that political correctness off the air, please. The implication, Jarrett, regardless of his personal life, whatever you want to make of it, uh, Matthew Broderick's not a very good actor in this movie, and I it makes me question: well, is he a good actor in any movie? Nineteen eighty-seven is when he uh, drove over oh. some people. So nine years later, that the effects are still felt is what well, i'm saying. Oh, sorry he didn't drive over them he drove into them as they were in vehicles so it's all it's fine yeah. well he paid his hundred dollars yeah everything's settled that was a long time ago a long time ago uh that's, not what, yeah, that's so, not what we're here to talk about no uh he's bad in cable guy he's not a good actor uh you also have leslie mann who i actually i don't know if i've ever said i i find her like annoying i don't know why I just do. I find her kind of annoying, especially like Judd Apatow. She's in all the Judd Apatow stuff because they're married. And then I was like, mm, I don't think she's a good actress. Uh, all, all of my normal woman hating stuff. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, but I like Jim Carrey. Jack Black is in this. He's pretty good. Um, Jim Carrey has an awesome coat, Macho Man style, that's got some tassels and stuff on there. But Cable Guy's pretty good, dude. I think. I don't know if, I mean, if you never liked it, you might not like it yeah. now, but uh, I think there are uh, some pretty good jokes in there still, years later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's next, Jer? Something about Mary. Something about Mary. Well, <laughs> uh, so something about Mary. We watched the director's cut, which I've never mm. actually seen before. And I, so this is going to be one of those ones. You know what? The theatrical is better, yeah. I think. Oh, yeah. All those like... yeah. That's like the bullshit thing with Dumb and Dumber is you like I have to hold mm-hmm. on to my old dank ass DVD and I've got my old something about Mary DVD because they just want to put out these director's cuts with more yeah. gross out jokes. <laughs> yeah, there's there's just like more and then there's like a bunch of shit that's just like super unnecessary. Like Jeffrey Tambor isn't like yeah. all the directors to cut stuff and he yes. gets eaten by that snake. Yep. And it's just like you're just like, why is this fucking in here? Like any of this. Stupid. That's why they cut Doesn't it. To... That's why they cut it out. That's why they cut it out. Exactly. So I was kind of like, I, I wouldn't say like bummed out, but uh, it was kind of, um, it was kind of a bummer because I like there's all this extra stuff and it was actually like taking away from enjoyment of the movie. I was like, what is this shit? Get this out of here. Uh, that said, something about Mary. Uh, I know you are a big fan, uh, and for the right reasons. Franks and Beans, Meatballs. Uh, Keith David is <laughs> spectacular mm-hmm. in this movie. So good. Uh, Warren, who I didn't realize is in Deadwood, which I've also been yes. watching right now. Yes, he and is. And I was, I was like, whoa, my baseball. Warren, what are you doing in here? I had yeah. no idea. 
Uh, so I was like, that's pretty neat. Um, what else? Ben, St- I mean, there's so much good stuff. Six minute abs. Chris Elliott. Seven, seven minute abs. Chris Elliott. Uh, Matt Dillon when he's talking about working with uh, the hard R's. Um, yeah, it's it, uh, it's an all time all time classic, Jared. All time classic. You, but, but you said she was a real spark plug. Real spark plug. Uh, what, wait, what is? How did you reply to that? No, no, I said butt plug. Butt plug. She's she's heinous. Heinous. Uh, yeah. The rice the rice people. Aren't they from San Francisco? Yeah, they're uh, opening up and my oh my favorite thing always, and I I never really understood it because when I watched this I was like nine. Yeah. Well. Um, because like when it came out on video I was like nine or so. I was like I don't get a lot of these jokes, but whatever. But the one that always stuck with me was uh when at the end when Ben Stiller's like Brett Favara. <laughs> Brett Favara, because I always saw Brett Favre's name, and I was like, Favara, Favara. <laughs> like, I never got it either, and I, I'm just happy that they kind of addressed it, you know, Jared? Mm-hmm. Just happy. So, um, yeah, lots lots of good stuff. But, yeah, this is definitely one of those ones. Don't watch the director's cut. Stay because away. Stay away from it. And the one thing, too, that's, like, annoying is we were on Amazon Prime, and it shows up. So we're like, oh, cool, we'll watch it on here. Um but you click on it and it was one of their like channels. It's like subscribe to oh. celebs like stars for, for this movie. And we're like, fuck that. So we, we got my copy of it. You but reached anyways, for the DVD shelf. I, I had to pull it off. I've been skimping out my shelf lately too, but uh, this just goes to show that every once in a while, it's like you got to grab that uh, shelf copy. So anyways, something what? about Mary. Very good. The other thing I'll mention too is uh, I have a real like soft spot for the Farley Brothers music in these first three movies, Dumb oh, yeah. and Dumber, Kingpin, yep. Something About Mary. I have no idea <laughs> what it is, but it's good. Yeah, I like their uh, the troubadours in uh, this movie. Just oh, kind of John- doing. Oh, John- yeah. Then oh, yeah. Then there's Jonathan. Richman. Or just the music in general. You mean? But yeah, like the music. Yeah, the score. Yeah, the actual music. Uh, I like their selection of. Uh, soundtrack and stuff like that and yeah jonathan yep. richmond which was this was my mm-hmm. introduction to him because i did not realize he was you know of the road runners and then had his own career and then i got to see him here in old creepsville myself doing a live show Ooh, that's pretty cool oh yeah that's pretty cool so yeah it's uh we did a little 90s tour of comedy and that was fun and so tell me about killing satan the killing of satan so this was uh again a little corpse pick here. Uh, this was recommended to me as a Easter film. And uh, I got to say, it actually is kind of an Easter film. So this is a Filipino movie, Jarrett, mm-hmm. about a man. With... And so this is like Tell me about a, with, Christ... a man who does what now? A man with a mustache. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, it's a Filipino Christian horror film. Sweet. So the, the other big thing is this is available in full on uh youtube okay so you have this guy and that, that, uh, the poster runs... is sweet oh this movie's this movie's got some really good stuff uh if anyone follows us on instagram i actually added some clips from this movie onto our story uh on the weekend so that's where you can like i don't know i don't know if people use and people probably know what that is i didn't but Whatever. I was adding some clips to this movie because there's some pretty wild stuff. So you have this guy. He runs afoul of these like kind of Satanist uh, slavers. Um, like the setup to this movie doesn't matter that much. But the guy's daughter goes missing. Uh, 
and he dies, but then he like comes back and then his son dies too. But now he has this power like in his elbow so he can like shoot. Uh, he can like block stuff from it. Yeah, so he's going out to sense. fight these. Yeah. He's going out to fight these guys. And there's these guys who work for uh, Satan um, and they shoot like waves out of their hands. So they go around terrorizing towns, shooting waves and like hypnotizing people. But he can block it with his elbow shield. So he'll block it. And he'll go around uh, and you get lots of scenes of them fighting. Uh, you get lots of scenes of them on a boat, which is cool. Uh, and then there's some pretty gnarly fights. Like you'll see a snake and then it'll turn into a, a full on just naked Filipino guy. But he's got like snake prosthetics. And then you get them fighting for a little bit. And I was like, ooh, that's cool. Uh, you get like some sex slaves in a cage. You get uh, more. Sex you should be <laughs> in a cage. Well, that's Jared Duncan. You can email him at criterioncreeps at gmail.com. This is the Matrice uh, episode. Oh, actually, so it is fitting. Um, the Satan guy is pretty cool. He's wearing just like a red cloak, like traditional Satan. Uh, what else happens? You get like mages. They shoot like lightning bolts out of their sticks at each other. He encounters some witches, Macbeth style, like three witches that uh, like transform into like animals and stuff like that. And he fights them. That part I wasn't uh, on board for, but you know, mm. um, the idea was cool. And yeah, it's just him going around uh, running into Satan and his cronies and he fights them. It's pretty good. Pretty good. It was it was actually like it, it is entertaining. If you watched it with some people, I think you would get some fun out of it. I watched it by myself and I enjoyed it. So and uh, so the beach bum, the beach bum. Are you telling she's funny that way from Peter Bogdanovich? I'm, I'm not going to. I, I won't tell you about that. But Peter Bogdanovich wrote this movie, uh, wrote and directed this movie. And it is fucking garbage, man garbage and it's all about movies and then i saw peter bogdanovich's name pop up and i was like what the fuck and then i watched this other movie jared i know you want to hear about beach bum but whatever uh called accidental love which is a david o russell movie but when you click on it it's called nail like andrea put it on on prime it was called nailed and it had a different director's name so this is like an alan smithy deal and this was another weird movie this movie had prolapses in it it had like I, I don't know. Jake Gyllenhaal was in here. This lady gets nailed in the brain and like all sorts of real weird shit. It's yeah, a I, comp I, healthcare. I, I, I had to backtrack a little bit because uh, <laughs> Skype was cutting out a little bit when you were talking about okay. she's funny that way, and you're okay. talking about how it's total garbage. I'm like, okay, who's who's in this? We got Sybil Shepherd. What a surprise! Richard Lewis. Uh huh. Will Forte, my man. Mm hmm. Imogen Poots. Imogen Poots, she's there. She's the lead. Owen Wilson, that's what Owen's been doing. Mm -hmm. Jake Lucas. Jake Lucas. And Quentin Tarantino. Wow. Tatum O'Neill. Michael Shannon. Uh-huh. So, okay. So, Quentin Tarantino comes at the very end. This is a movie about movies. So, it's like Ugh. Owen Wilson is oh, a... No. Well, not about movies, about Broadway. Oh. But it's like... That's <laughs> even worse. So... Owen Wilson's a uh, Broadway director, and uh, he likes prostitutes. So he gets Imogen, uh, Imogen Poots, and then he's like, you know what? You're a great girl. You shouldn't be a prostitute. I'm going to give you 30 grand to go do what you want. And she's like, great. I want to be an actress. She's doing this, like, Brooklyn accent. She's like, yeah. oh, great. I'm going to be an actress. And she's actually pretty good. Um, 
So she goes to his Broadway show to audition. And it also features his wife, who is an actress, and they find out that. And then his wife has a love affair with Reese Ifans. That's right, the star of The Replacements and The Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, not Reese Hochstall. Not Reese Hochstall, the big sugarhead. Uh, Reese Ifans. Uh, yeah. He was the lizard in The Amazing Spider-Man, Jared. Yeah. Uh, and so like, it's all about Broadway and uh, like prostitutes and things like that. And they're all like interacting with each other, but all their stories are such fucking garbage. And like the way <laughs> it's, it's the stupidest shit, like the way that they like all, cause it's one of those things where it's like, they're all connected, Jarrett. <laughs> so like it's it's all of that stuff happening and then like there's this big big climax and then at the end she's like yeah so i uh i met this guy and uh he really likes uh the movies and and her like therapist is like oh great i can't wait to meet him and then quentin tarantino shows up and he's like hey babe we gotta go we gotta catch the movie Ugh. and then letters directed by peter bogdanovich yeah great truly a terrible movie <laughs> excellent truly truly terrible we need more of those in our lives well it's kind of like accidental love by david o russell i won't talk about that too much it is a bizarre fucking movie it's like prolapse. commentary there's a pro there is talk about prolapse it is an ongoing thing in this movie is that one of the characters is prolapsed? Uh, it also <laughs> stars all star people. Jake honestly, Gyllenhaal. I want to see the thought web, like when the screenwriters are working this out, be like, huh, building characters, prolapse. Prolapse. It's 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 an ongoing thing, and it's like a talking point. So we got Jake Gyllenhaal, Jessica Biel, James Martin, uh, Marsden, Catherine Keener, Paul Rubens, Kirstie Alley, James Brolin, Tracy Morgan, Jarrett. These were all. all the, there. That's where all the stars have gone. That's where they've all gone to David O. Russell movies that he's completely taken his name off of and they Alan Smithied it. Oh. So well so I might have cut out then. They like it's the it's credited to a different director. It's not Alan Smithy. It's a completely different name. Right. But on Letterboxd, it's David O. Russell. Huh. And I, I read a little bit about it. It's something like he made the movie and then they went and like changed it on it. So he's like, he's like, oh, I'm not, no, right. not involved in it. Anyways, another terrible movie. I can't even describe this movie. There's a girl gets a nail in a brain and then she becomes a sex freak. Uh, and then she joins the Girl Scouts. One of the characters prolapses. Jake Gyllenhaal goes to man uh, tribal things to fight each other for balls. Like it's equally bizarre, Jared. Okay. Equally bizarre. So anyways, did you want to hear about the Beach Bum? I, I sure did. Uh, Beach Bum is... Uh, so I watched this with Andy, Jarrett. I think okay. it was her first Harmony Corrine movie. Probably. She didn't see Spring Breakers? No. she. Uh, when we were watching it, she was like, she was like, what has this guy made before? And then I was like, I was like, well, she's not going to know what Gummo is. But uh, I was like, Spring Breakers? I was, I was like, do you, have you ever seen David Blaine above the below? And she's like, no. And I was like, oh, what about other David Blaine picks? Like The Magic Man, also directed by Harmony Kareen for some reason. Because they're buds. Uh, no, because they're buds. So, uh, no, this was her first foray into that. Um, her review, Jarrett, first 40 minutes, she liked a lot. The rest of the movie, she wasn't on board with. She said it got too goofy. Uh, and I, I know what she means a little bit. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like it's after Martin Lawrence appears. 
uh, that's where she kind of got lost. Not Martin Lawrence himself, because his character was pretty funny with his love for the dolphins. Yeah. But after that, it does kind of dip into, it kind of changes a little bit. Like, uh, the first half, it's, it's all about moon dog and he's mm-hmm. doing his thing. And it's, it's almost like, I don't want to say like a serious prestige movie, but it's following like the kind of outline of that. And then it gets after Martin Lawrence shows up, it gets a little goofier and I'm, I'm on board with that. I think it's good. Uh, I liked beach bum. I thought it was good, man. Mm-hmm. I like, uh, I feel like me and Matthew McConaughey have a similar style. I've been dressing like he dresses in this movie a lot. Well, I'm sure he doesn't use deodorant either. I guarantee he doesn't. I'll, I'll put it on when I leave the house. That's good. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Moondog, he, he drinks PBR just like me, Jarrett. He, uh, he loves the kitties. He's going out there. He's doing his best. Um, I think this thing, it's good because it doesn't dip too much into like the – uh, beer and stoner comedy even like i know that's all he does but i don't think it dips into like that kind of comedy where it's like that's all the joke is i think it, it does a good job of kind of staying away from that uh, my man snoop zilla he's a plus zach efron's not bad in this he's got his oh yeah nice little uh i like how it goes from the head all the way down to the mm-hmm. which was pretty nice uh the best part about his character is that he has that bluetooth which oh, is yeah. like it's such a small detail but oh, it's yeah. it's so hey that's what harmony so is all about is he, he hits those details those details uh so i i did like this interpretation of a uh like hemingway bukowski jimmy buffett writer poet mm-hmm. uh and i was like he's what he he honestly he's what we all want to be right Jer? that's hey i don't know if you remember my uh original thoughts on the movie I don't think it's for everybody. Uh, it was a while ago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I do, uh, the one thing I remember is like leaving the theater and like looking around and being like, everyone's so ugly. I, I just want to go back. I just want to go back into the movie, into the theater, to the keys where everything's beautiful mm-hmm. and chill. Yeah. And, and everything's and, 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 and the movie's like amazing looking too. Like it looks oh, yeah. gorgeous. Yep. Yeah. Some of those sunsets. Oh, Ooh. Yeah. Baby. Oh, baby. Yeah, so uh, Beach Bum's uh, good stuff. Good stuff. I'd have more to say, but uh, I've already covered like 15 movies. But uh, yeah, very good. And then, uh, yeah, I've been watching a lot of TV, Jer. You have been watching a a whole bunch of TV. You've been delving for weeks now (laughs) into the the lore of Roddenberry. I have. So uh, as much as (laughs) people will probably be mad because everyone recommends movies all the time. And instead of watching those movies, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to start watching this like 800 hour endeavor of Star Trek. So I just went from the very start original series. Yes. uh, And I am in season three now. And these are, as you've pointed out, these are a hard hour, each one of these episodes. So uh, they are like, yeah, they're like 52. Yeah. Because I was going to say, because this was back when commercials were like an all of an eight minutes of an hour program. Uh, and now mm-hmm. we're looking at about, uh, what, 18 minutes easily? Yep. And then we're or yep. up to 22 minutes of just pure commercials. Pure commercials. Yeah, so this is a, these are a, these are a full hour. So, so each, each season has... Like prestige HBO viewing. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, and I, I will admit, so like, it's something I've always wanted to watch with Star Trek. I just never did. I've mentioned on the show before. I was like, I missed it when I was a little kid, but... As an adult, I've always wanted to go back. And uh, the first couple episodes, I, I will admit, it took me a little bit. 
to actually kind of get into enjoying them. It took me four or five episodes before I was like, oh, okay, I get it. Because uh, the first couple, I was like, hmm. I was like, I'm not sold on this. I don't know if I actually like this or anything like that. And I, I almost gave up. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I started to power through. And then I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, I see what's going on now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now I'm totally on board. I'm almost done the original series. And then uh, I got the animated. Are you going to do uh, it? So I'll, I'll watch the animated ones, yeah. Because it's, it's only like 20 extra episodes. And they're half an hour episodes, not a full hour. Uh, so I'll do original series animated. I'll do all the movies, uh, and then I'll do next generation. Cause I want to get some sweet data. Ooh, baby. Oh, baby. You, you, want, the, uh, you want the spine? I want that Brent Spiner baby. All, all up in me and LeVar Burton. So I'm gonna get those bad boys in there. Gates uh, and then oh, all of them. I, I saw all those guys in a hotel once in Calgary. They were there for a convention. <laughs> yeah. uh, like it was a TNG 20 or I don't know, 30th anniversary or something right, or 25th yeah. anniversary. Uh, and I was staying at this hotel and uh, I came down in the morning and they were all in the lobby. And I I, I was like, hey, um, Patrick Stewart, that's pretty cool. And LeVar Burton. I didn't give a shit about Brett Spiner or Michael Dorn or any of those guys oh. at that time. But I now, having watched it, I can say I saw them in real life. So that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Shared a, a lobby with them one time. So uh, that was neat. So I'll watch TNG and then all the TNG movies. And then I need people's advice. Do I keep going? Yes. Because watch DS9. DS9? What about Voyager? Because Voyager nah. is supposed to be okay too. Nah. So the only reason I say that is because Voyager has that uh, seven of nine, Jerry Ryan, yes. who comes back in Picard. Yeah. But then you so have, I was but like, Picard's not, Picard's not supposed to be very good anyway. Well, I but it's on Crave. Yeah. It's exclusive to Crave. So yeah. I was like, I'm going to watch you, you Picard. What's like, I don't know. I'll be really surprised if you actually get through all of uh, TNG, because oh okay, I I don't know when I tried because last time I watched the original series, uh, which was fine. I can watch that stuff yeah. all day long, but yep. uh, watching Next Generation, I found it was like slow in a weird way that I wasn't expecting because mm. it's obviously a lot more contemporary. But that space right. sound they always put on, I, I became really aware of it and it just put me off. And I, I mean. I, I love that old track. And then uh, mm-hmm. I, I stopped watching DS9 around somewhere in season five. And I've never gone back to finish it, which I should do, but life gets mm-hmm. in the way. But but yeah, so what do you think of the the original series? Any highlights so far? Yeah, there's a there's a few. And like some of them are the ones that you've you'd probably like pick, pick out. Like uh, you and me were talking about the Harlan Ellison episode oh, yeah, so already. They, yeah. Uh, so like that one was obviously really good um the one episode i'd say i liked the most so far actually was uh the doomsday machine oh, yeah. so it's the one where it's that that rogue spaceship kind of going around uh i don't know why i was just like i was like i'm fully on board with this thing like i thought that was the best my favorite episodes are the ones where it's just like conflict like that where it's something very real i don't love the ones where it's the aliens that are completely like omnipotent and can just like change reality completely which happens quite a bit like the squire Um, of gothos the the, like which one is that uh it's like the liberace like guy oh uh is that the one where he's like actually Ares or something like a greek god well he's like there's like a they've kind of rewritten things where it's actually a uh he's a part of the q continuum or something like that but like they Mm -hmm. because he's very similar uh yeah what is he? I can't remember what he was, but it's like Trelane is the name. He, right. 
Yeah. No. Uh. Yeah. So like it's so those ones I don't. It's not always. Some of them aren't bad. There's just a couple of them where um. Yeah. There's a couple that I'm like, ah, eh, this is like a little too too wacky on here. Uh, the Gorn episode is obviously super cool. Uh, Space Seed with Khan, mm-hmm. you, it's ah oh, so good. But yeah, I, I really liked the the Doomsday Machine with the how about just that, the ro- uh, how about the Horda? How do you feel about the Horda? The Horda, which one is that? That's like it's like the thing that's got all the eggs and the miners and it keeps oh. kill- and it's dissolving them. And uh, but that we have we, awesome. we have we have the uh, the wonderful uh, we have some real Leonard Nimoy. Ah, mm. pain. <laughs> I uh, I like that one because it's got yeah. a strong uh, animal rights message. There you go. Uh, that one's good. I actually and I got to say I like uh, um, William Shatner. Yeah, I get it. I get it, man. Like I can see why he was so like this huge heartthrob back then. He's so confident. Wow, that, was, a, that was that. Sorry, that, that was a, what Chekhov was brought into for season two. He, he was for he was for the teeny boppers. He had that little uh, Beatles haircut. Is yeah. that he's got that little Russian accent he's doing? So I I looked into that because I was like, because Suvu disappears, and I was like, where the fuck is Suvu? Where why is Chekhov here now? And only Chekhov. And it was about because like George Takai was on a different show, but I was messaging you, and I was like, Chekhov is just a horny little wiener. Mm-hmm. I was like, Bones is a prick. Yeah. I was like, uh, Scotty is a loser. <laughs> what? Uh, and like so in season three we have the resexualization of scotty like they dyed his hair and they greased it back and i was like the first time i saw him i was like whoa i was like what is this i was really thrown off by it jared mm-hmm. uh i i'm 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 cool with bones now i think he's good and uh i think scotty like he kind of has a thankless role because whenever he comes up he's just like he's like surely you can't mean this and like that's all he does is yeah. like Get, to get people to explain upon what what they just said a little bit more, and Chekhov's okay. He is a horny little prick, though. Right. Uh, I mean, and that's fine. It's just like hanging out with you. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, original ser- series is cool. I I definitely like the more grounded conflict ones than uh, the big metaphysical things. But uh, sure, it's it's all part of it, right? There's like the one episode that for some reason is like burned onto my brain. Uh, Galileo Seven, it's where uh, Spock. Uh, they're in the shuttlecraft and it crashes on oh, that yeah. planet. And there's like the, the giants mm. and the, the massive yeah. spears and rocks. And because uh-huh. uh, there's the whole thing about like it's about Spock having to make decisions because he's in yeah. charge and they can't communicate. I remember that episode just being really intense because like it was like the perfect use of like the red shirts who just kept getting mm-hmm. killed off one by one. And like it's just massive spears like the size of like telephone oh, yeah. poles being thrown around by these just like men wearing like I don't know just. I don't know, fur outfits. Fuck, I, mm-hmm. I love that thing so much. And he's yeah. like, yeah, because the whole thing was like, oh, they're going to die. But then by the end, Spock has to make an irrational decision mm-hmm. that would guarantee yeah. that they were going to die. And they're like, well, I guess we'll see what happens. And then it turns out to be the right decision. And then Spock's mm-hmm. like, then they're like, hey, you acted irrationally. And he went, <laughs> didn't I? And, <laughs> and then it's like, there you go. That's all you need. Just, just like at the end of uh, the monorail. You didn't do anything, didn't I? <laughs> uh yeah that is a good episode um there there's lots of like little things like that too like some of the other ones i like a lot too um not just with like spock doing stuff like that spock's awesome he's the best uh but uh, i the romulan and the the klingon stuff is pretty good oh yeah yeah because you can just tell like all the time kirk is like these piece of shit fucking people even though the show is about like 
getting past bigotry and like accept like acceptance he's always like that fucking klingon son of a bitch he's like i hate him and you're like you tell him uh kirk get him oh, you, and you wait it gets worse ah i'm i'm sure it does i'm sure it you does get into those movies Mm. Yeah, see, I'm I'm stoked for it. So it's like I said, I, I don't know if people will be on board with this, but it's happening. <laughs> so one way or what, another, one way or I, the only thing I need input on, and maybe someone else has seen all of it. It's DS9. I'll definitely get into, but it's like, do I do Voyager? And I've heard Enterprise is just garbage. So uh, <laughs> I, because of the ending, apparently, I don't know what it is, but that's I, the this the little bit of vague skimming i've done everyone says that scott bacula his, his whole thing just kind of shits on everything so well, i think like see my voyagers like i got problems because it's like they're the characters they've got i, I was never won over like tom right. paris chakote uh <laughs> torres tuvok <laughs> which okay. one has uh cork is that ds9 Quark, or uh, oh, quark's ds9 okay yeah that yeah. quark's oh no ds ds9 i i really like ds9 Mm. DS9 sounds cool because it's like it's a little different, right? Where it's it's, it's a star it's, base. Say, it's it's Casablanca in space. Oh, I heard though that uh, Roddenberry didn't like DS9 because it went against. Uh, well, he died because so. it had a long storytelling. Yeah, I mean, and he's also kind of like I can tell Roddenberry was kind of a wiener, like <laughs> Gene. Are you, just a are little. When are you going to start wiener. reading all eight hundred and fifty novels? <laughs> I couldn't fucking believe that when i saw that and i sent it to you i was just like there's 850 fucking books that's only it's like that's only 17 a year though if you think about it oh, that good way point. so i good mean point. like there was a period of time where there was definitely like three or four coming out a month during the heyday oh. like the 25th anniversary era uh very for, true yeah because they, they would have had it for each uh timeline they would have had original series tng and mm-hmm. then they opened up ds9 and then there's the comics uh so many <laughs> I uh I did. How about Star Trek X Men? That sounds cool. I'd yeah. be into that. Um, the comics and the books I have less interest in. Uh, yes. but <laughs> I did I did Google. I was like, how long would it take to watch all of Star Trek, all the TV and movies? And I think it was like twenty nine days or something like that. It was like five hundred and sixty hours, all all said and done. So. So this is a good time to get that out that's of the way, like, right? That's like watching the Chris Chan documentary series 30 yeah. times or something. Yeah, okay. That, yeah. Makes, that makes total sense. So it's it's not like, I mean, look at look at me now. I'm already almost done the original series. At the end of this, we won't recognize you. I know. I'll be a, a Trekkie and I'll be a total nerd and uh, I'll revert back in time. It'll be horrible. Horrible. So anyways, yeah, I'm enjoying Star Trek and I would love some input from people to see which of the series after TNG are worth it. I'll definitely do DS9, but I need to know if the other ones are worth it or not from other people. Yeah, I feel like you might be able to even like crib a sheet of like, hey, here are the best 20 episodes. And yeah, because like, there, there is a story um, yeah. that ran through. I did watch it. I mean, I will say like, I watched Voyager probably at least for the first three or four mm-hmm. seasons. Cause there was nothing else better to do on Saturdays when you're growing yep. up in that time. But, uh, yeah, I did watch it and I was just like, uh, I don't know. Well, but... I, yeah, I was, I was going to say actually Crave has a nice little, they have on their TV. They just have a Star Trek section because Star Trek is on Netflix also, uh, original series and TNG. But uh, the Picard series is just on Crave. And then they have a little thing where they have collections where it's like this is all of the Borg episodes across every like series. 
So right. e- like if it's TNG, Voyager, DS9, and then they have like these are different themes and stuff like that. So it's kind of like you said, like a crib sheet of the best of. They kind of have it sectioned off with like it's like, do you really like this character like Romulans? It's like, here you go. Here's all of them. Stuff ah, like that, which is kind of nice. That's cool. Very nice. Yep. Very nice. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah. I won't talk about any other TV, but uh, okay, good. Unless you want me to. No, that's all right. I'll uh, I'll just touch upon what I've been watching because I mean, as okay. people probably have noticed on uh, my letterbox, I haven't really been watching very many movies. No, um, you haven't. One of the things is uh, I've really been taking advantage of a microphone and a webcam and started doing a live <gasps> sex show. No, I've actually been doing oh a lot God. of since I have to socially isolate. I can't. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't be doing board games or anything like that. So I have to settle for okay. role playing games. RPGs tabletop without the tabletop. So I've been mm. doing, I have like not one, not two, but three RPG games going at the, at, uh, during the week. It's a few uh, questions. How often do you meet? How long is a session? Uh, we, we, each group, we meet once a week and we play for okay. three to four hours. So about three days a week, you have about a four hour board game online. Say like a, a role playing, a D and D game. Yeah. Yeah, about 12 hours a week. Well, I mean, this is a perfect time for it. It is. Jared. It's amazing. And uh, there's some great apps that you can use that I've uh, been figuring things out on. Um, you can do it different ways. One, I don't have to actually run any of it. Someone else does that, which is awesome. And then mm-hmm. the other times I get to run it. And yeah, that, that's been very exciting for me. But uh, I, I, what's that? Oh, are all three D and D campaigns, or is uh, one of them a different? All, plane? All, they're all different. Well, they're all fantasy okay. though. One's D and D. The other one's called Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, which is like mm. a darker, low fantasy setting that is just pure, like almost role playing. There's very little actual dice rolling in it. Um, right. We've been doing that for uh, about like a year, but we, because like some people have moved away they live in toronto mm-hmm. it became impossible but now because we're all locked into our homes it's the perfect time to do it and then the other thing nice. i just literally started on sunday with uh, a new group of people that i've kind of met through running rpg events at the comic store and mm-hmm. uh been doing that and it's a lot of fun and i spent last night like four or five hours making maps because Ooh. i am already uh very much a nerd as RJ uh, talked about, you're going to have to watch like an entire months of your life worth of Star Trek to get caught up to me, I guess. But yeah, I mean, well, that's what I was thinking when I was watching it. I was like, I'm, I'm just living Jared Duncan's life 30 years ago. Exactly. So you're, you're, you're just you're you're doing what like eight year old Jared was doing. I know, I know. It took me a while to get there. So I guess in 30 years, I'll start to make maps and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. What do you what do you enjoy more, DMing or being a uh, participant? Uh, I almost entirely almost DM for whatever reason, mm-hmm. but I actually do really like playing. I, mm-hmm. well, most people don't really like running games, though. It seems like they want to play too. So I don't know. Well, that that's why I ask because uh, the one time I played D anD D like five years ago, whenever it was. Um, the guy who was DMing it, he had a second group that he played on. And because he was saying, too, he's like, I like playing more. It's just like he's like, no one wants to DM. So he's oh. like, that's why I do it with our group. And I was like, yeah. 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 No, I, yeah. I, I actually do like DMing, but you got to find those finding people with the commitment. But right mm-hmm. now, I mean, even now I, I put a, a call out to some people and they're like, oh, yeah, no, I'm just busy. I'm like, 
cat. That tells me everything I need to know. It's perfect because that way you know there's no bullshit. It's not like, well, maybe I'll wait around till they're available. It's like, no. If they can't do it now, they'll mm-hmm. never be able to do it. I, I, I'm just really busy with the Star Trek, Jarrett. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. I, I couldn't even fathom you playing in one of these games. <laughs> you wouldn't want me to. I know. That's what I mean. <laughs> you, you, you'd, be, you'd be a lot of work. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but you know, some people say that when you got to work for it, it, uh, it me- it means more, you get more out of it. No. It's uh, the but, chase. So what I have been watching though, is, mm-hmm. uh, the web series that's been going on now for 11 seasons and Chris Chan, no on cinema at the cinema. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with this? Not at all. I have no idea what this is. So, do you know who Tim Heidecker is? Uh, yes, I do. Tim and Eric. Tim and Eric. Tim Heidecker. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of his projects that he's involved okay. with. Uh, him and uh, the stand-up comic Greg Turkington. Are you familiar okay. with Greg Turkington? Nope. From Ant-Man <sighs> fame. So he's, um, he's, he's a stand-up comic. He has a character, okay. Neil Hamburger. Okay. Let heard? me... I'll try to find him. Okay. So he has this persona he does. This, like, uh, curmudgeon broken down comedian who just does mm-hmm. bad material. This is like his shtick. He's abrasive okay. and horrid. Uh, Greg Turkington is, he plays himself and Tim Heidecker plays himself. And together they started a, a podcast called on cinema back in like 2010 where they okay. reviewed movies, but they're aware of the garbage that is film criticism in general mm-hmm. and the way that, imbeciles talk about movies in general and they just have they've they've completely gone into this down this road because every movie they watch it's uh their system is not a five-star system it is a out of five buckets of popcorn system and they can and they can put little addendums to it like uh, i think this is a five buckets of popcorn and two large sodas but if you if you if you go to their Wikipedia page, uh, yeah. you can see all the movies they've reviewed, and you can see that more often than not, almost all their movies receive four buckets of popcorn, five buckets of popcorn. Uh, Tim Heidecker's uh, persona often will just give movies six buckets of popcorn. Uh, some of the things like they're all available on YouTube. Uh, one point it was on some website called ThingX.com, and now that's on Adult Swim, and they do these mm-hmm. once a year. Uh, it has an entire like universe where Tim Heidecker's character uh, has created a, uh, a television series, another YouTube series called Decker, which is his what okay. he considers great cinema, which are in the line of movies like Jack Reacher and Nonstop. Ooh. He makes his own action movies, what I would call shitima. Huh. So, what I'm saying is that. The, the the great success of on cinema for me is it really exposes the fraud of film criticism and like mm-hmm. the, the, the entire idea of a you know, doing a podcast talking about movies when you don't know what mm-hmm. you're talking about and you have people who talk about how they're experts on things um it's kind of like holding up a mirror mm-hmm. rj <laughs> watching this hey i we've never claimed to be experts on anything yeah, so, this, this is true. Does that help? We, we always have that. Uh, that's our trump card. Uh, we have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, so they do these episodes. And they, uh, someone has, of course, taken the time to create entries for their uh, annual on-cinema Oscar specials, which I have watched uh, two of so far. 
Have, mm-hmm. I'm almost at the third, where they uh, live. Basically, they just have these recordings of their live stream uh, as they re- they react to the Oscar announcements because the Greg Turkington character he is a, a big Hobbit fan. He's a Hobbit head, oh, and uh, okay. he, he often refers to himself as a head, uh, as a fan, a, a Bond head. Um, and he's really okay. he, he, he's really hoping that the Hobbit's going to win Best Picture. Uh, every year for the first one it didn't happen for the second one it's like well obviously they're going to give it to the third movie just like they did with Lord of the Rings um, right. and, and talks about write-in votes and there's an obsession with Oscar as they call it they don't call it the Oscars they just call it Oscar and every movie is the Oscar pick it's going to be this is my Oscar pick I think it's going to win every week and it's every week it seems like there's like more Oscar winner movies or Oscar potential movies and they're watching mm. like the things that you actually now when you go back and watch these you forget about the movies that have existed mm-hmm. that just like oh somebody went to see these and no matter what almost more often than not five buckets of popcorn because everything's worth watching uh, based on this system and every movie is their favorite movie Mm-hmm. And but then there's also the other element of their interactions between these two, which is this very angry, passive aggressive relationship, um, where one is the host and one is a guest on the show, even though it's the mm. same two people every single week. <laughs> what, what I'm saying is, this is mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. Maybe people shouldn't watch this. Maybe maybe it'll maybe it'll ruin the illusion. You know, it actually kind of reminds me elements of it from other film things that I have seen. I, I've mentioned I don't watch or like movie reviews or listen to movie podcasts very much anymore. But when I did, there was a lot of those elements. And I think some of them were doing it unintentionally. And it sounds like some of them may have been doing it intentionally now. But it sounds like it all stemmed from this show. Yeah, and it's still going. Um so do you say once a year or once a week? Once a year they do the annual Oscar special. But the oh, episodes, okay. they do like, they do 10 in a row and then they take the year off kind of thing. Right. Uh, yeah. They, uh, yeah. And like I've been watching, I'm on season six currently. I, I, you know, they're, they're great because they're only like six to 10 minutes long. Um, mm-hmm. And there's, and there's all these storylines. Every season has a new storyline. And even like in season six, mm-hmm. there's like payoffs of things from like season two. I don't know. It's it's that it's that low key humor. If you don't like Tim Heidecker, you might not be into this at all. But he, I think he's actually a really good actor, as is Turkington. Uh, mm-hmm. They they improvised a lot of this stuff, and they've got their characters pretty down pat. And you also uh, get introduced, I think, for most of us, even though this actor's been in like three hundred movies. Joe mm-hmm. Estevez. Are you familiar with Joe Estevez? Is he one of uh, Kirk Douglas's kids? He is the brother of Martin Sheen and uncle to Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen. Ah, uh, gotcha. He, he, he looks like uh, Martin Sheen, just like a little, a little heavier, a little stockier, a little less, mm-hmm. maybe a little less talented. But he's been in every. Oh, I don't even know. I don't even know if it's true if he's actually related to them. But I'm gonna believe it. I'm going to accept that as the case. And he's in everything that uh, you would probably find on one of those channels that is mm-hmm. on, uh, like, you know, horror slasher classics. Like, that's where you're going to find, you know, Beach Base from Beyond, mm-hmm. um, Axe Giant, The Wrath of Paul Bunyan. Ooh. Yeah, he looks, he does look like Martin Sheen. Yeah, which, like, I don't, and I, again, I do not know. And he has a book as well. Joe Estimus uh, wrote, wrote a book. 
It says, born the last of 10 children to an Irish immigrant mother and a Spanish immigrant father. Joe was raised in Dayton, Ohio. Like, probably not, but he does actually look like Martin Sheen. But on Wikipedia, it says he is the younger brother of actor Martin Sheen and the uncle of Emilio Estevez, Charlie Sheen, Rene Estevez, and Ramon Estevez. Well, there you go. Why would they lie? Why would why would he lie? Why would they lie? I mean, that sounds pretty good. Like, do you think our podcast has any um any payoff? Like years later? It could. We just don't know it yet. Oh, good point. Good so point. yeah, if you're looking for like easy watching, that's like mm-hmm. I, it, it. It speaks to my sense of humor anyway. But I've I've been enjoying it a lot. I know a few people. It's like when there's downtime, this is an easy thing to throw on because you can watch like four or five in a row, and it's not like the commitment mm-hmm. of a movie. So I I will give this the ironic five buckets of popcorn. What would you recommend. rate our podcast? Out of buckets, uh, of I, I'd give it the highest rating possible. I'd give it five buckets of popcorn. Okay, and, I uh, think that's and, fair. And two headsets. Ah, uh, tough but fair though. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it for my uh, watching. Hey RJ, I got any news? Yo. Disney Plus was uh, editing their movies so that you couldn't see butts. Yes, did you I, hear about I, that? I, I did. I did hear and see about that. That's uh, mm-hmm. fuck. That's there. You go. Fuck Disney. Yeah. Fuck it. It's so hard. It's the. Mm-hmm. It's just bullshit. And yeah. What are you going to do though? They own everything. Yep. So it's like, this is the world people wanted, right? Apparently. (laughs) It's it's wild stuff. Yeah. I got no other input on it. It's just like, I don't know. What are you going to do? Complain on our podcast. Oh, I got complaints. (laughs) I got complaints. You you remind me next week. I'll tell you about uh, cursed films and why I don't think it's good. Okay. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Um, we have our July 2020 announcements for Criterions. Mm-hmm. It, would, it would have been amazing mm-hmm. to do this yesterday when they were fresh, but now it's a day old. Yeah, just people like, won't just, even just like bad donuts. Yeah. So yeah. first of all, Sad. first of all, RJ, you made this happen. Uh-huh. The War of the Worlds, directed by Byron Haskin. It's about damn time, man. It's a it's a five star film. I talked about it what a week ago like a year and a week ago i guess but didn't it get brought up again like a week or two ago and i was I just know. like yeah that movie's amazing uh, yeah at some point it did come up not that long ago but yeah now here it is the director I'm... of uh robinson crusoe on mars mm. and i haven't watched yeah. it yet i still have this old dvd uh so that's cool that's coming out now i have to watch it at some point uh, it's awesome in 10 years you'll you'll love it i'm sure i guess the big the big thing for uh, genre fans this week, though, was the Bruce Lee, his greatest hits collector set, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you'll get The Big Boss, Fist of Fury, The Way of the Dragon, Enter the Dragon, which is <gasps> which is huge, uh, mm-hmm. and Game of Death. All uh, all five of his big movies coming at you in the highest possible pixels from Criterion. Even though this has been like repackaged, I think Shout Factory put it out like a couple mm-hmm. of years ago in an over in a weird, awkward package. And now here we are criterion putting it out too. But obviously I'm assuming this will be more definitive than ever. Well, I mean, I don't really know a lot about Bruce Lee other than what I've seen in Quentin Tarantino movies. Right. And those suggest that he's a, a bad dude. And that Brad Pitt would kick his ass. Uh, allegedly. 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 Mm-hmm. As well, we have a re-release on Blu-ray of The Lady Eve. 
mm-hmm. which is awesome because that movie is yeah. outstanding and it'll probably look stunning. Stunning. Oh, you. Very uh, cool, but gross. Yeah, so that's coming out. Uh, Taste of Cherry, one of the better, mm-hmm. one of the better movies, older movies that we mm-hmm. talked about way back when, like 160 episodes probably ago. Someone mm-hmm. just recently commented saying how much they lo- lo- loved this movie and that we are a great it's- podcast. Can you believe that? <laughs> We've, it's not the kind of criticism we're used to. And uh, joining the Criterion Collection as well is Marriage Story. I mean, it's the it's is the, it it's, though? It's, it's the it's the Netflix thing. Um, supposed they, to be, they supposed, paid for that, right? I'm sure someone paid for something. But it's supposed to be good. Yeah. It's Noah Baumbach. I I like all the movies of his. I watch so. Mm-hmm. I'll, I just don't know if I want to watch the uh, the two hour divorce drama right now. <laughs> uh I mean, when are when are, when when is a good time to watch that? Pretty much, but. You know? Congratulations, guys! You you did it, you did it. Um, yeah, that's it. We we nice. got to look at that. We're still recording. It's amazing. Unbelievable. After the break, we're strapping on our finest leather and going into that sex dungeon again. At your house or mine? Uh, let's do mine. It's a log. Okay. It's a log. It's a log. It's a log. It's a lot. It's a lot. Like, like. jamais de questions parce que soit je mens soit je ne réponds pas enfin, tu me dis rien dis moi des choses merde moi je voudrais savoir je voudrais comprendre ce qui m'arrive
nettoyer. Non, ça fait rien, c'est pas grave. Ça bon, on referme tous les rideaux, puis on se rend là. Yes. And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast. And today we're talking about Matress from 1976, directed by Barbet Schroeder. RJ, mm. this film's tagline, she mm-hmm. will open your eyes. To what? After breaking into a house he believes is empty, thief Olivier is caught by the owner, Ariane, who turns out to be a dominatrix and probably Ooh. falling for her. Olivier returns periodically and an impulsive romance blossoms despite Ariane's profession. Soon, Olivier becomes more familiar with her work, even joining in on occasion. However, when he discovers that Ariane has a son, he attempts to fix her, hoping to give her a better life. Hmm. Is that that accurate? Uh, I mean, it's like, it's a couple of the broad strokes, but it's... It's not really, right? Uh, yeah, I feel like Kinda? The, I feel like this fixing of her life because of her son thing is uh not not quite the impetus. No. Not really like I from what I gathered it was just like No, I'll get there. I'll get there. Okay. I, I'd say it's broad strokes, but not not yeah. necessarily. Okay. So this is a movie that I've never seen before this week. Uh, and I own on DVD and this was because of two things. One is for a few of these Barbet Schroeder movies I've seen, I've mm-hmm. liked. I've actually quite liked. I like that Barfly. I like that. Oh, yes. I like that single white female. And uh, oh, yes. I mean, old General Idi Amin Dada. Come on. Mm-hmm. What about Coco? I haven't seen Coco yet. Ooh, it's coming up soon, right? I, I haven't seen Reversal of Fortune. And then the, see Kiss of Death, though I have seen in that movie. P.U. And then, mm-hmm. but see, this is like this that era where uh, Hollywood's acquiring all these uh, foreign directors to come and shape up their American movies. Let them do a little movie, but then soon enough, you're doing murder by numbers, and then your mm-hmm. career's dead. Well, for some people, for some people, right? Yeah. So, anywho, so I'd never seen this, but also uh, this movie's saucy subject matter. It really uh, oh. intrigued me. I was kind of like, hmm, there's not, they, they don't really make movies like this. These uh, frank depictions of sexuality, strange mm-hmm. sex, BDSM. And it's like, hmm, what's this all about? And what's this? Gerard Depardieu? He's a big deal in France, apparently, he, right? He, he I was. I'm not sure if he still is. I don't think he is. But at one point, he was quite the sex symbol in the world. Whoa! Why? I don't know. I've always I've always heard about this Depardo, but every time I see him, he's always like, "Huh, this guy, huh? This big old hunk." Mm. Is he though? He's a big dude for sure. Yeah, and uh, I mean, look at him now. I've only seen four movies with him. Let's take yeah, a I've look. Seen a couple. Oh, he was in uh, Brana's Hamlet, and. Uh, I don't remember him in at the meeting of joyous death. Is that the, uh, Oh, that is that one I watched, uh, during Halloween. It's like the haunted house movie. It's like it's directed by a Bunuel's son. That was mm. actually pretty decent. I guess he was in there very young though. And, uh, the movie CQ. 
What, Directed by what about, Roman Coppola himself. What about Last Holiday with Queen Latifah? Uh, nope. I missed that one. I I got that one. What about uh, 102 Dalmatians? See? I'm missing I out. got five with this big bad boy. Oh, yeah. So this Lummox, this, mm-hmm. this beefy man, mm-hmm. um, he plays this guy, Oliver, Olivier. Olivier, something like that. So Oliver. He, uh, the movie opens up actually with this great handheld shot. It's like it's kind of on the sloppier side. It's got that cinema mm-hmm. verte vibe, and I was for, immediately was like, "Oh, I miss contemporary filmmaking so much." Because <laughs> we, we we watch all these stodgy black and white movies so many times, and they just like they're so like sh- like so perfectly shot, it's, like mm-hmm. really lit. And this is just like using natural lighting, and it feels like you know something you'd watch now um sure so i was like "Ooh, this this just this guy getting off his bike in like downtown paris or whatever and going to meet a buddy uh and he, i i just was like immediately like oh thank god <laughs> like i don't know maybe i'm a meathead for that but i was just like oh good mm-hmm. this feels like a real like I, I, 1976 it seems so like yesterday Yes. So the movie's got this really cool little setup, though, like because you have no idea what any of these characters' relationships are going to be. Uh, Oliver just shows up. He meets an old friend, and he's like, "Oh, I see you're in books." And you're like, "Oh, you have no idea where this guy's come out of." Um, mm-hmm. Kind of knowing, because like you know, you read the back of the box, you kind of know. Well, I know that deeper. He's got to be like some sort of like ex-con or like somebody who's just like got out and he's trying to start a life over. And he meets this friend who's oh, maybe he's like a writer and how he's doing books. But oh no, he has this big stack of books that he's just trying to sell to people randomly at doors to see who's home and who isn't because they're breaking enter artists, being B and E boys. B and E boys. I uh, so on the Criterion Channel, there's a 15 minute thing with Barbet Schroeder where he kind of talks about this movie, not not like not always, but he does mention that. And he said he just really liked the idea of someone being able to enter another person's apartment. He's like, so that's where I kind of came from. He's like, I just really like the idea of going into other people's apartments. That's it. I get that. And uh, he's like, yeah. And then he's like, what would you find? Something crazy? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's like, I mean, that's a, that's as good an idea as any as a, for a kernel of an idea. So mm-hmm. we, we get to see them kind of just like attempting this, uh, I guess, this tactic, buzzing in, trying to sell these books that nobody wants. I can only imagine someone knocking at yep. my door and saying, hey, you want to buy some art books? <laughs> Isn't that what you do pretty much? Uh, I'm, I get to talk to the people who write those books. And then mm. uh, you go, I don't know if anyone would want this, but I don't know why anyone would want books at all anymore. Good point. It's true. So, yeah, we, we get this nice little setup where they go up to a this random apartment and this woman answers and she's really uh, kind of flustered. And, she, and then she just invites them in. And you're like, what the hell's up with this? And she's like, well, I'll <laughs> buy all your books if you just help me with this problem because her bathtub's overflowing. And mm-hmm. uh, they're able to fix it. And say oh hey you should tell your neighbor like there's probably gonna be water pouring in through the floor which is a good point very considerate for scumbags and -hmm. she's like uh no it's fine uh just like a the old an old woman lives down there the landlord uh she's not she's not here though right now 
And mm-hmm. of course they're like, oh yeah, cool. That means it's empty and we can pilfer. So they come mm-hmm. back. You get to see them scheme, trying to go through the front door, but then realize, hey, let's just go up, go outside and through a window. So they do that. And then they start kind of climbing around through closets and through darkened spaces. Uh, and then you just get like this, this kind of this spooky image of uh, dimly lit leather and S&M equipment. Which I mean, like, if you if you like stumble across this, it would be mm-hmm. a little like, uh. Well, that time you, uh, I borrowed those movies from you, like right. uh, when I had to, you know, those DVDs. Uh, when I came into your house, there was a very weird aesthetic, like a lot of rhinestones, a lot of studs, and uh, a lot of leather, a lot of leather, Jared. It was playing, weird. Playing a lot of Willie Deville in the background. Yeah, there was a strange ambiance in there, but it it wasn't like threatening it was just like uncomfortable then you asked me what size and i said party size right that means it's working um so rj how many dudes Mm -hmm. do you have in your cage like at any given time or at this moment right now i don't know like two yeah i think so in the the mussing around, they come across the uh, Depardieu comes across a a cage with a man in it, <laughs> which which is <laughs> like, what is all this about? And you know, at this point, I had this thought. I'm like, I wonder if uh, Oliver here is going to wind up in a cage at the end of the movie. I just I, I was kind of thinking that might be a thing, but they didn't go that direction mm-hmm. at all, not in a literal way. No, I, I'm glad you brought that up though, because I thought of two things. I thought of Pulp Fiction. And I was like, I wonder if Quentin is a fan of this. And then I thought of uh, one of our friend of the show's oh. uh, favorite, Oliver oh, Granger, his next, favorite movie. My next note. Uh huh. B- because when that, when the uh, the 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 staircase comes, mm-hmm. the mechanical staircase comes lowering down, and then we have someone walking down with boots, and you're like, what the hell is this? Yeah, it goes into that uh, martyrs territory. Yes, it does. Yeah. Yes, it does. I'm sure Oliver Granger will be thrilled that it's being brought up again, especially because I know he's looking forward to this movie. And now hearing that, it is essentially the martyrs prequel. I'm sure he's uh, he'll be just ecstatic. So continue. Yeah. So <clears throat> they come across, they come across this scene. Uh, oh, yeah, there's a dog. There's a, a nice little uh, uh, Texas. Texas the Doberman. Yeah, he's a Doberman. I think it's a Doberman. Yeah, I think it's a Doberman. Pretty sure. Yeah. And so, of course, they're like, no, like, you know, the whole, they're being caught by the dog and they're afraid of the dog. And she comes down, the, the woman from upstairs. And she's like, what what the hell are these two doing? What are you clowns doing? She doesn't think too much of it. She's got her dog. And she, mm-hmm. uh, she invites a man into the house. And she's like, hey, I, I need some help in here. And so she gets uh, Oliver to come and uh, help out. And what does, what does the help mean? In this setting, well, so she's a, so she is a dominatrix, mm-hmm. and uh, she's kind of um, abusing this man, sure, this, this client of hers, and she wants uh, Oliver to piss on his face, which which he does. Uh, we don't see it. It's all like it's all close ups shots of uh, her, of the two of them, and we don't mm-hmm. know exactly what's going on below uh, the neckline. Uh, but that's, this does build to a passionate kiss because it gets, gets them real hot and bothered. Mm-hmm. But uh, the one thing I made a note, I made a note right here though, because uh, I've been noticing this too in the last few weeks in, in a post-COVID world, Buddy here didn't wash his mm. hands after pissing on that guy's face and proceeded to touch his own. 
Well, I also made a similar note, not from the piss scene, but later in a different scene, you're shown uh, her wall of uh, whips and uh, like sticks and stuff, all like leather things she'll like poke people with or whip them with. And that uh, she uses one and then she goes, hangs it up and grabs another one. And in my mind, I was like, I really hope she's disinfecting this shit in between people. Um, but as uh, actually... Again, as Barbette Schroeder uh, mentioned in that 15-minute short, uh, he um, he talks about going out with Dominatrix because apparently this movie made him a hero in the Dominatrix scene. Mm-hmm. And he's like, they took me to clubs. And he was like, this was pre-AIDS. And he's like, so the clubs were pretty wild. <laughs> uh, so I, I have a feeling that if this movie is pre-AIDS also, she probably wasn't disinfecting those leather straps, yeah. right? It's You're probably so, okay, though. It's fine. Uh, yeah, sure. Sure. It's all good. <clears throat> so yep. so now Oliver's he's got a taste. He's got a taste for this lifestyle and this kink, you know, this like powerful, mm-hmm. sexy woman who's like into into deviance. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, who, what's not to love? So sure. He, he, she gets sweet. So uh, she get pays him 200 bucks and tells him and his buddy to fuck off. But he's like, no, I want to I want to come. I want to hang out. I want to hang out with you. I'm, I'll buy a dinner. With the money you just paid me, <laughs> he goes and tells his buddy to fuck off and gives him the two hundred dollars to get him to leave. And then they uh, they have their little date, and uh, the, the, their love begins to blossom. They have a little bit too much to drink. Uh, they go out on the town very um, before sunrise. Uh, they they find themselves on a hill at like six in the morning with as the bells chime, which uh, Oliver mentions. This is the time they kill horses at, and because uh, he were, used to work in a slaughterhouse. Mm-hmm. Just planting mm-hmm. a planting a little seed a little for later, you know. Sure, sure. Um, and so yeah, soon enough he's now living with her, and she seems to be mm-hmm. on board with this. She kind of, she seems to find something attractive and raw about this man, this man who might not be able to be conquered. And um, he gets to come along for the ride, and um, it's like the, the the rest of the movie, kind of like from a plot standpoint, is kind of mm-hmm. him being introduced to her life. She's got a a maid that kind of comes in to like take care of the house who wears black all mm-hmm. the time. She handles the phone. She knows what she does for a living. Mm-hmm. There's a, uh, uh, there's an upstairs downstairs, uh, metaphor that's going on here, RJ, that made me, oh. uh, made me laugh about parasite again. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yep. and then there's an obvious thing about the use of white and black. Uh, mm-hmm. like with her, uh, like Arianne's uh, hair's, uh, blonde and she's always usually wearing white clothes but when she's going to work she starts putting on that black wig and black leather gear with capes and gloves and such what does black symbolize Jarrett? i don't know it's just it's just the opposite Hmm. of the white oh so are you saying this is some kind of contrast Uh, i don't know that's not i I don't get paid the big bucks to come up with these these ideas okay that's fair these depths uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. So anyway, so she's she's at work and you know we kind of know where this is going to probably go eventually. This uh Oliver guy seems like a real hothead, a bit of a a beast and he doesn't really take mm. kindly to this. Um I'm trying to think where I want to go with this at this point. Uh obviously there'll be one thing that <laughs> anyone who's watched this movie uh will be like, "Oh, RJ. Oh, poor poor RJ." So mm-hmm. but, but we'll get mm-hmm. there. We'll get there. Uh, yeah, but we get a taste of uh, her lifestyle. Um, 
we get actual scenes of real sadomasochists, uh, mm-hmm. masochists going in to get worked on by their by their woman, who is not actually played by uh, Ariane, who is uh, uh, Bouley Augier. Is that how Bouley Augier? That's he, who is who is uh, Barbara Schroeder's wife, as yeah. a matter of fact, too. Yeah, I think the way he says it, it's kind of like Bill. It's like Bill, oh, like yeah. the way he's talking, but it's like with a friend. He's like Billy. Billy. Yeah, Billy. <laughs> so Billy. <laughs> That's how he talks. Uh, no, yeah, he he mentions that they got a real one for like those real scenes because uh, they it was like they didn't want they didn't trust her with that hammer uh, going into the <laughs> penis. Well, I mean, is there a wrong way to do it? Probably. There's definitely a wrong way, I think. Well, you, you'll have to show me sometime. Okay. I promise. I'll definitely okay. do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, we get these, uh, yeah, very well photographed scenes of men in sure. gimp masks and tied up in leather things writhing around on the floor to her boots and being told what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's actually the one thing that is actually really great about this uh, movie too, is the cinematographer, uh, Nestor Almendros, uh, who shot movies like days of heaven and mm-hmm. Sophie's choice, uh, a bunch of Romer, Romer movies also shot this movie and general Idi Amin Dada. Um, it, this movie's oh, like cool. low key, amazing looking. Cause I did notice yeah. some people had taken some of the shots of this movie, turned them black and white, and they look absolutely amazing. This movie looks better in black and white yeah. than it does in color, but the movie mm. has this really cool tone to it um, when they're switching between the upstairs and downstairs. As well, I discovered, uh, looking up little things about this movie, the costume designer, who I don't know costume designer people or anything like that, but they became like a very noteworthy person for um, Chattel. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, anyway, some people are mentioning this, like this fine, oh, yeah. this like fine design fashion. work. Yeah, fashion designer um, mm-hmm. did all the did all the costumes, did all the leather stuff, but also did the like regular clothes as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, not jumping the gun. We so we get a bit where there's this sort of element of this Gautier character, Gautier, the uh, mm-hmm. the horse, the man, the. The rich mm-hmm. client, he was like getting fleeced, and um, Oliver doesn't like this. He's, he's, mm-hmm. it, bo- it bothers him, and he thinks he's going to do her a favor by getting this guy off her back, always going to her because it's not because she's not going to him. And he goes and kind of strong arms him, extracts mm-hmm. a bunch of money, which of course fucks up the the free ride that they are all enjoying off of this like mm-hmm. old uh, man who liked to be taken advantage of, I guess. And was was part of the role play. It was the long game with him, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it, was, it was a whole play, and he just overstepped his bounds because he doesn't know what he's doing. He's just a, a mm-hmm. lowly B and E man. Mm-hmm. Um, but he takes this money, being very proud of himself. He goes and gets drunk, and he just for whatever reason at six in the morning, he stops by the slaughtering house. He goes to the avatar. Mm-hmm. And we see uh, a, a very real scene of a horse getting the uh, the treatment, getting uh, mm-hmm. shot in the head and dropped to the floor, hung up by the stirrups, and then bled out into a, a quite a striking scene, a full gallop this uh, dead, dying horse makes as it sprays blood mm-hmm. everywhere. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I, I do think that this is, uh, I'm not sure if it's a homage to, but uh, Rainier Fassbinder's got a scene like this in one of his movies. Uh, was there whatever, Here Are the 13 Moons or something like that, where he has a horse. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, Schroeder is also a uh, producer on Fassbinder movies, so... There's that. And this movie does have a real Fassbinder vibe to it. The kind of like low, mm-hmm. this low key kind of characters. It's just drama. A lot of uh, European interiors. I was thinking about that a lot watching this. I was also thinking about uh, uh, a guy that I was mentioning several months ago in our preambles. Uh, Alan Robgaret, who, who made these mm-hmm. uh, art house French low key movies about uh, S&M culture. He was an aspiring uh, Dom himself, but he got out domed by his own wife. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. how's that happen? Well, I mean, it turns out he was like secretly, he always wanted to be a submissive, and his wife understood that and let him think, Yes, mm. honey, yes, you're the Dom, yes, yes, you are. And then he made all these movies to please her, mm. and then now she's like a full time practicing uh, trainer of dominatrixes and whatnot. So I was thinking about that. These these this year this European thing they're very, they're a lot more they're a lot more comfortable with their uh, sexuality RJ. Is there like a school that she works at, or I is it like so. individual I, lessons? I, I think it's I think there's some sort of like coursework. It's kind of like doing the Werner Herzog rogue filmmaking class or uh, master mm. filmmaking that you can pay uh, David Lynch to show you how to like I don't know make apples about talk talking apple movies. I don't know. Mm. So and, they they probably went to online now too, right? Probably. Probably. Right. It's probably a good idea to work on, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, when to shove pokers up butts and uh, sure. where to run it across the buttocks properly and how to properly shame somebody into, mm. yeah, what, whatever. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then this movie, it kind of wraps up. He, she takes off on him and he's looking mm-hmm. for her and he does find her eventually. They, they get into this car, which is like an ongoing power struggle. Uh, of the relationship of who's really in charge and they try to drive simultaneously while gr- she's grinding onto his lap and probably doing a little bit more than just grinding. Um, oh, Jared. And then we have a, a crash. And, uh, sure. And this movie kind of reminds me again of uh, Jean-Luc Godard's Weekend, which a uh, listener, friend of the show, uh, Justin Peterson, just watched this week and was like, this movie mm-hmm. is bizarre. Uh, this movie has a sort of ending where I'm kind of like, huh, that's the, that's how they that's how they that's the that's the go home spot, huh? That's mm-hmm. how they're wrapping it up. And I was thinking, like, are they dead? <laughs> like, he he thinks it's a beautiful ending, Jared. Is that all he says, though? No, he he actually does talk about it. So like, okay. he uh, he says that he thinks the ending. He said he thinks it's beautiful because they found a compromise where they're both equally in control because she's controlling the steering wheel. He's controlling the gas and brakes, but they're both also equally out of control because neither one is in controlling the entire car. So he actually, but they they also might die. Yeah. And he said, that's fine. He's like, because that's life. It's like, it's uncertainty, but he, he says he thinks it's a beautiful, happy ending because they finally found a way of accept like being kind of on equal grounds. Okay. And he thinks that's what the whole movie is about. Um, what did he, well, I don't know. I'll ask him, what did, what did he have to say about the horse adventure? But, uh, I, I'll, I'll comments on it. I'm sure, I'm sure he does, but I will say that I actually do. I do like this movie. Um, uh-huh. I think that it is, uh, it looks great. Um, it's super simple, st- like story on the whole. It's probably on the long side. 
Um, mm-hmm. if I feel like I'm not sure what exactly what you would do to, uh, quote, tighten it up, uh, because it's, I don't know, everything that's there in the movie kind of belongs, but I don't know if I'd be like, you know, rushing back to revisit it anytime soon, but I'm finally, I'm glad I finally did get this one out of the way since I've had it for a number of years, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Like sometimes I like these, uh, these European seventies movies quite a bit. Uh, that's kind of been the track record so far. Like, look, it's it's no lost honor of Katharina Bloom or anything like that. But uh, no, I thought I liked it. But I am uh, very curious, RJ, to hear what your thoughts are on Matress. Um, what do you, uh... Jared? What are some likes, some dislikes, any strong opinions of? this or that any anything that might like you know you'd be like this is a this is a movie you should watch and this is a movie you should maybe not watch what do you think if i were to would i recommend this movie to you yeah no no, <laughs> For, I, would, no, uh, no i would not no i would is there not. a list of reasons or well there's there's one very obvious one <laughs> oh, yeah so there's the the, uh, the the uh the explicit depiction of horse death which mm-hmm. i will say that this at least has some excuse because that was, it was probably going to happen no matter what and it wasn't for sure. the, it wasn't for the surely for the art of cinema uh, though it was sure. it was it was used for that purpose but it wasn't like oh okay, we just killed this animal just to get that shot it's it's not like a Andre Rublev style uh, horse death where you're like oh uh-huh. oh yeah they fucked that horse up real bad now they they have to put a bullet in its head to put it out of its misery this was like no it's at a slaughterhouse and uh, there's there's mm-hmm. a purpose to it but it is also extremely graphic mm-hmm. and uh, explicit and so yeah uh, to many it doesn't probably serve that much purpose on the whole right. of the movie other than I guess uh, I mean it's a very well photographed uh, animal killing sure but, but beyond that it's like I'm not sure exactly what the metaphor is and if yeah. it's and there's no other way to have done he, it he, he, yeah he uh, he does have a, a claim for the metaphor so uh, I'll, I'll just cut in for a second I uh, we'll we'll get this matzo ball out of here just uh, to to begin, and then I can really dig into the movie. I'll, however, this is a big aspect of it, so I think people understand that uh, I'm not a a huge fan of uh, animal violence, cruelty, or any such inclusion of them in movies. Uh, a few weeks ago, we had a uh, rules of the game where they showed the hunt scene and it was like to depict classes and all that horse shit, uh, and I was talking about how like the use of animals for metaphors for other things is like so such baloney because it's like like in that one they talk about how is like this they're making a statement about war and it's like well that's like making a statement about animal cruelty but going into a battered woman's home and start beating up women it's like you're you're misplacing your your anger there anyways uh i've talked about this stuff a lot so i won't hammer it too too much uh, I do know, as you've pointed out, we have that cognitive dissonance where we don't need to know where our food comes from. I, however, do work in or I have have worked in an industry somewhat similar to uh, the means of production, I guess, mm-hmm. in the, the supply in the forefront, chain, the supply chain. It is early on. So it's uh, I, I have worked in agriculture um, in the farm aspect with ranchers and cattlemen growing and raising these cattle. And I will say that they are some of the more 
like a lot of ranchers take better care of their cattle than anyone would expect. It's just afterwards. It's always it's always the slaughterhouse, right? That's where everything comes to a head. And my biggest thing, Jared, is maybe there's a more humane way to do these things. You know? You know? Mm-hmm. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, so the horse scene. Uh, one thing, I don't know if you ever knew this. Uh, I have been in a slaughterhouse mm-hmm. in Argentina. Uh, and I uh, was sprayed with uh, blood. And I didn't like it very much. Oh, yeah. And it was... What a... What's a wild... It was a pretty off-putting uh, experience for me, and uh, it was one that I don't don't like to talk about. So you're not so going to be uh, you're not going to be driving out to Fort McLeod to the the horse plant where they ship off to France. Ugh. No, I, I I will not be. So uh, it's not something that I enjoy. Uh, and so when the scene started, I was like, mm mm mm. I was like, I know exactly where this is going. I've seen it. Uh, in real life and I was like I don't like this very much so uh, I kind of uh, I I actually did a thing I haven't done in many years where I blocked the screen because I didn't trust myself I was just I put my hand up I was like no I heard the noise I heard the commotion Mm -hmm. and then when I looked up he was leaving and I was like whatever happened I'm glad I didn't watch it so Mm -hmm. anyways uh, there's that so it's kind of like you said, at least it wasn't done for the form of art, like say rules of the game or Andre Rublev, or where it's a, like they're uh, an Alejandro Jodorowsky movie. Where they're, oh, they're yeah. Just blowing, blowing up, blowing lizards. up lizards for, for the sake of art. And that's why I've, I always say art isn't real. So it's all baloney. It's like, I'm sure the horse was meat was used. Does that make it better? I don't know. I don't have the answers either. Anyways, I wasn't a fan, but here's what, uh, your boy Barbette Schroeder had to say. Okay. Apparently, uh, what's his name? Um, Gerard Depardieu worked in a horse packing plant similar to this. Mm-hmm. And Barbette Schroeder talks about how in France, he was like, I know the American audiences, yeah. they didn't like this because they don't eat horse. He's like, but in France, we do. He's like, there's butcher shops for horses. He's like, so it didn't, he's like, if it was cows, maybe they would have understood. Um, his mind he was saying uh, and this is a direct quote he said i wanted him to identify with the victim and eat the flesh of the horse so i think that this is kind of similar to the rules of the game thing where they're like well we killed all the animals to show what the loss of human life in the war was like and it's like this is that metaphor stuff it's like well he's he's taking on the role of the victim and he's he's identifying with it that's why he's eating the horse and it's like, um, I guess, but I think this movie could do without that, Jerry. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that that scene is unnecessary. What do you think? Um, hearing about that, do you think that makes it like a, a bit better? Yeah. I feel like it's a stretch. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. So anyways, no one. I, I don't like it. No one would have thought I did, but that's his rationale for right. it. He said he's identifying with the victim, right? Whatever that aside, mm-hmm. we have the other aspect, which is the whole movie BDSM yeah. and dominatrixing, which I've said many times, my personal form of kink is abstinence only. Uh, nobody <laughs> should be naked ever and doing anything of any sexual form. So this movie is a, a double header for me mm-hmm. but i will say this jerry and mm-hmm. i think i'm gonna surprise you okay i actually didn't mind matrix well that's good but so but, uh yeah i, I would stand I, by i would not recommend this movie to you 
because yep. I, but, yep. but I, I mean, I don't think there's anything that like bad about it. I just don't know if there'd be anything for you necessarily in it. Um, well, yeah, so I, I see what you mean with all that. And I, I, I get it. Um, I, even though I don't, uh, I, I won't even say like, it's just not my <laughs> orientation is this kind of stuff. Well, so I don't really get it, but it's like, right. but it's like, I can watch like an alien movie. It's like, that shit's not even real. And it's like, I get this. <laughs> so like, you know, I, I, I know what I'm talking about. So anyways, that all that aside. I actually didn't mind the story between them. I, I actually really like the setup where he's saying, he's like, you just go into people's apartments. He's like, what if you just stumbled upon a dominatrix? Right. And then you got swept up into the life. And it it could be a dominatrix. It could be martyrs. It could be like, Whatever. or, or a don't breathe. Remember, don't yeah. breathe. Yeah. So I actually, I like the setup <laughs> to that. I think it's pretty good. And I do actually kind of like their, um, it's like, it's kind of like a Harold and Maud story, Jarrett, where it's like, uh, they kind of happen upon each other and they do get along, but it's also, it's not quite like, it's like, is it going to work? Because at first it, it seems like there's the obvious attraction and the interest where for, he offers her like kind of a, uh, something like a distance from her professional life. So he, he's kind of like a normal a rom- or I mean, a romantic not, relationship, a romantic, yeah, a romantic relationship where she has a professional thing, which is something else completely right. for him. He, he gets offered like the thrill of something a little bit different. Right. And it's like, yeah, that is kind of a nice, uh, pull. And then like later on when he, he doesn't like the, uh, the bigger character, I feel like it, it switches his thing from like intrigue to, possession almost where it's a control thing right which is like the whole movie and that's where he talks about the ending he's like it's a balancing of control because they're both her job is to control other people but he is this classic macho guy where it's like you control your women's i guess so it's this like back and forth i get it it's nice even though it's it's like she uh makes all the money and pays for everything Oh yeah, totally. But there's th- those guys exist in real life all the oh, time. Yeah, like, they do. go on, go on Reddit for an hour, and you'll see <laughs> men and women that uh, both. It, it's both sides of it. Where both sides. People, people. Well, have you ever seen those like things where, like, men talk about women who do it, but women talk about men too? Where it's just where it's like the flip side, where a woman will be like, if a guy can't buy me dinner or something, whatever, and then people will comment and be like, buy your own dinner, you you poor ass or whatever <laughs> it, it goes back and forth uh but no i actually i did like the the romantic story that came up in this and this movie's very long it's almost two hours but it actually didn't uh it didn't feel that long to me which is no, nice it was easy uh, to I did, watch it was easy to watch yeah i at an hour in i did stop and i went upstairs and i made a sandwich yeah. as Barbet Schroeder probably did. Yeah, that's, uh, and then I just kept watching. Yeah, that's about the same for me. I think I had I, I, around the hour mark. I'm like, I'm gonna hit pause. And I'm gonna come back and finish mm-hmm. this bad boy up. Have a little bit of a nosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I I took a little break in between. Uh, not because I was bored, but just because I was like, I'll take a little break. Uh, and so yeah, even though it's almost two hours, it kind of flew by pretty nice. I do like the story. Um, I don't personally want to be involved in uh, the activities depicted in this movie, but you know, whatever. Uh, and it is kind of cool. Barbet Schroeder was talking about how he was like, he was like, I became like a champion for these people. 
He's like, because he was like, I was just at a bar in New York one time and some lady recognized me. And then he's like, and then I went out with all the dominatrix and he's like, it was pretty fun. And that's where he talks about pre-AIDS and stuff like that. But, uh, um, yeah, he was like, he's like, I, I think he even mentions, he's like, it wasn't totally my intention for it. He's like, I just thought it was kind of a cool idea. He's like, and he's like, if it helps people for it, he's like, even better, whatever. And I was like, that's kind of a nice thing to say. That like he's like I didn't really I wasn't doing it for any reason he's like but if people enjoy it he's like what are you gonna do nice um, so it's a cool little story uh, I do think a lot of it looks good too like uh, there's one I took some screenshots I sent you where she's like uh, going descending oh, yeah. to the stairway so I good. I sent you like three but I took I have a series of, of I think seven where it's her starting from the top making her way all the way down it's well, awesome what, what, it looks what, so. What what makes that shot so great is she never looks at the viewer. That's like that's why it's good. If if she looked, it would have been yep. shit and it ruined it. But no, the fact that she never breaks her like her uh, movement, her movement, her dedication. She's like, I'm going to work. And then I love the way though, like even like her hands linger at the top. Like it's so yeah. well, so well staged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really good. So that shot looks awesome. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff in this, uh, like cool shots similar to that um there's some things that like i don't understand and like uh it's just like cultural things like i remember when we were doing the uh 400 blows like Truffaut thing with all the anton colette stuff uh where it's like french dinner they just have like shit all over the table it's like here's a, a bucket of like fruit here's like a wheel of cheese here's like just meat and then you just go like like there's that scene where he's just going in like with a knife and just taking a pull off of each one, like buffet style. Mm-hmm. And like, I didn't recognize a single one of like a single piece of food that he was eating. I was like, what is all this shit? French like, cuisine, I don't know my friend. French cuisine. And I was like, it's such a, a weird thing to like kind of pull out. But I was like, this isn't how us Western North Americans eat dinner. And I was like, and that I'm not mad or anything. It's I, just I don't like see a single ham sandwich on that table with a nice French's but mustard. Where's all your pepperoni? Just, you need a cock of pepperoni French and some is mustard. your cuisine gets that big oh, yellow bottle, big yellow mustard. Hell yeah. So, uh, that stuff always throws me off. I was just like, what are they eating? <laughs> and then like one of the, her like dominatrix things is like a stretcher where it pulls yep. your arms and legs. And I was like, fuck, I could use one of those just to like crack my body. Mm-hmm. Cause I've been like sitting on couches so much for the last three weeks <laughs> that like my body's just like stiff. I've been doing like stretching and yoga. I was like, when I saw that, I legitimately was like, fuck, I wish I had that just to like get a pull, you know? Right. You know, but yeah, it's a uh, me trees. I, I, I'm probably surprising people. I thought it was all right. Like, uh, I like the story itself. Yeah. The horsing, not very good. But uh, I don't I don't even know. Not nice. I don't even know what to do anymore. It's just it's a part of it's a part of cinema. I'll never like it. And I've probably I'm sure people have had their fill with me talking about it. At least it's not the 70s anymore when I feel like animal death like really reached its epoch. I feel like we've uh, uh, flattened that curve of like uh, animal death. I I hope so. And uh Unfortunately, I've, it's been brought up a couple times, but I do know that uh, that movie Weekend features a pretty grisly scene with a pig. So yeah. uh, that's officially that's a Criterion spine, isn't it? Like it 600 sure or something. Something to look forward to. I hope so. someone uh, get the timestamp for me so I can uh, skip that. But yeah, Matrix, not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. Well, good. Good. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, uh-huh. You want to hear about who hates Matress? 
whatever. Well, there's a really, really long one-star review by somebody that apparently is very much into the BDSM lifestyle, and they talk about how the movie is sexist. Would you like to hear this? It's very long. Uh, I mean, this is, is it a, good? Well, we'll find out. So okay. this, is, this is Monica, okay. um, and uh, they write... I got her. I was looking forward to this, as there are very few feature films around that explore BDSM with a female in the dominant role. Unfortunately, this film is sexist and prejudiced against the idea that a woman is a sexually dominant role is natural or acceptable. Mm-hmm. The premise of the story is that there is a woman who gets paid by men to dominate them in all kinds of degrading and painful ways. One day, two men come to her door to try to sell her, her stuff, and because of something she says, they decide that a burglary of the apartment directly under hers is a great idea. Only it turns out that the apartment is where she entertains her clients. For some completely inexplicable reason, she starts a romantic relationship with one of her would-be burglars. I can see why he might be fascinated by her. In my experience, men are often interested when they find out a woman is in a kinky stuff. But why Ooh. is she interested in him? The guy's her would-be burglar, is very possessive, seems to be more interested in dominating sexually than in submitting sexually, which doesn't seem to be compatible with her sexual tastes and doesn't trust her, keeps disrespecting her boundaries, is completely financially dependent on her, and doesn't seem to be trying to do anything about that. To me, it seems Mm -hmm. like he's exactly the sort of guy that would put most women off. But this film doesn't really care about the female perspective. It never looks at what she might want from a man. Uh, So instead, Uh, what we get is this male fantasy of dominating a dominant woman who secretly wants to submit, but doesn't yet know it herself. I get why this fantasy might be attractive just to some men, but what the fuck? This film is trying for a certain amount of realism in how it portrays BDSM. The BDSM scenes aren't even particularly titillating. So peddling this kind of fantasy as realistic is basically rape apologism. In fact, there's even a scene of the two of them role-playing a rape fantasy, and then later in the film, there's a scene that is flat-out rape. This is true. Even that, Uh apparently, is not enough to put her off him. Seriously? If you need more proof of the film's sexist tendencies, how about the scene in which he slaps her, then she slaps him back immediately afterwards, and then he says, you'll never do that to me again, understood? It's a shame, as this film is very beautifully made and not at all prejudiced against BDSM, only about women knowing what they want and being in dominant roles, uh, roles eyes, but the sexism really disgusted me. So, my question is, are there any feature films about BDSM that don't peddle the woman secretly wants to submit theory when it comes to female dominant BDSM? I can't answer that question, but, uh, and then she goes on saying, I have a friend who is into mm. that side of things, and she oh, says sure. that basically all the films about dominant women tend to peddle this. I only know of one film that doesn't, and it's not a proper BDSM film, rather just a PG romance where the humorous dynamic is a bit BDM-ish. If you know of any, tell me. I'm sure their friend goes to a different high school and lives in Canada. If you get my meaning. Uh, Yeah, I know a movie that doesn't pedal to the, um, what did they say, the female aspect of being controlled? Was that it? Woman secretly wants to submit theory in a BDSM film. Yeah, I got got an answer for you, Jared. What about cruising? Not Uh, a woman in sight. Not a woman in sight. (laughs) So there's your answer, big dog. Uh, Monica is like kind of a, I mean, she's a Polish girl in her thirties living in the UK. She, uh, her films, like she's got a lot of stuff, but just like not very many high or low rated, but she only has three, five star films, children of men, 
Pride and Prejudice from 1995 and a movie called Hater from 2014 hmm. from a director called Vishal Bardwaj. Okay. Don't, don't know what that is. Uh, and then a couple half-star films like um, Magic Mike and Jai Ho. Huh. So, okay. Uh, you, got, you got any thoughts on uh, uh, Monica's comments? I don't think I could even begin to comment on that stuff. Uh, the only thing that, like, I don't know anything about doesn't like the way that some of it's depicted because, like, the one thing that she said was, like, it wasn't even kinky enough. And it was like, well, I mean. Well, titillating. It wasn't, it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't very titillating. Um, I'm, I mean, when you look at my perspective, this thing's, like, over-the-top titillating. There you go. Are you, or you were Kink. too, you were too titillated. Too titillated. When Uh-oh. when when that guy gets well, that, nailed, his dick nailed to a board. I was I was crawling well, up the walls. Well, well that's it. the opposite of titillation. Unless you're kind of like, oh baby, I need that in my life. Um, I need another hole in my dick. I mean, I could use one. Well, there's a way. Um, no, I, I think uh-huh. I, th- I think there's some interesting points. I mean, I don't know. Like sometimes I do wonder if when people complain about characters not doing what they want in a movie, if that yeah is a problem. Though there is like yep. yeah the the, the full on like rape scene that is completely off camera because yep. we get to see like a reaction to him, like I'm going to have I'm going to have you in front of your clients and she's like no you're not and then he does like that's the implication and then yeah. it's like that's fine we're going to move on with our day it's like jesus i mean i mean not all like sexual dynamics are always positive ones in any like mm-hmm. long term relationship i'm sure there's probably weirdnesses that people just don't talk about and they move along with their life because the the human experience is wide which is something that some people want to deny but obviously there's times where crimes actually are committed too but mm-hmm. yeah anyway thembo crossing new horizons writes one star eh missionary position storytelling and filming techniques accompany what the filmmakers surely considered quote controversial subject matter still looking for a great or even just good bdsm movie <laughs> cruising there you go. Well, that's not quite, not quite. Well, Thembo crossing New Horizons, that's an Animal Crossing joke, Jared. I see. If you weren't sure. Uh, big Nintendo person. Hey, they have just been watching all of the Star Trek films, Jared. What? Let's see what they gave some ratings to these Star Trek films. All right. Uh, can't wait. Well... Wait, that's too far back. Okay, uh, it starts at the Voyage Home. They gave four stars. And then they watched Final Frontier, two stars. And then uh, number six, Undiscovered Country, three stars. Generations, four stars. They also said that Blade Runner was a two-star movie, a racist, misogynistic tour through a setting you could probably make a halfway decent movie in if you tried. Like the original Blade Runner? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Uh, this person's bio is lesbian ace, trans NB, they, them, polyam, subby AF, little AF, socialist AF, nerdy AF, loyal AF. Uh, my girlfriends are cooler than me, they say. Zero five-star films, many one-star films. Many, many. one-star films. Um got one more here for you okay uh from sigmeme 
I see him. The acting from the two leads was fantastic. The sterile sets and grotesque costumes were great, but those were the only things holding this together for me. I never felt like the central romance was believable or that either of the two characters were remotely likable or at least interesting. A dry snooze fest sprinkled with graphic nudity and shocking BDSM scenes to keep the viewer awake. I know this movie has its fans, and good for them, but I really didn't see much in this one. I don't see much in them. <laughs> JK, JK. Uh, Bio says, I really like horror, monsters, and Asian movies. Hey, uh, remember when I was talking about the cable guy earlier? Yep. That uh, testimonial when uh, Ben Stiller's like, I think they were Asian. They were uh, speaking Asian. It's high quality comedy, Jared. High quality. Uh, here's some, their favorite movies are Taxi Driver, Cure, Tetsuo the Iron Man and Inland Empire. Ouch. That's a uh, like five star films are lots of David Lynch, but uh, Inland Empire. They just gave Parasite five star. Five stars. Parasite five stars and what? John Wick three. Oh. Five stars. The House That Jack Built five stars. Oh dear. Oh my god. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. That's a Jarrett pick. If I ever saw one, Ichi the Killer, five stars, Jared. Do you agree with that? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> no. Cool. I mean, I thought yeah. that uh, I thought they had uh, very good chemistry. They were both really good acting in this, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know. I thought they were. I, I've seen some people describe this as a like almost a romantic comedy. Which I find, uh, I, I which I didn't quite get that vibe. I mean, that's from. a little generous. Yeah, it, it's not shot like a comedy, I guess. It's which doesn't uh, add to that much, I guess, to me. Like, when I think of a French comedy, I think of that. But when I see people, I'm like, I wasn't really laughing watching the movie. Mm-hmm. I was, I wasn't uh, slapping my knee, busting a gut. Yeah, I mean, there's no comedy to be had. I guess, like you could say, like their interactions with each other, no. but no. no. No, come on. Any uh, final thoughts here on Matress? I mean, I think the biggest takeaway is that I think it's okay. Uh, like, I like I actually didn't mind watching it, so I think people could run home with that comment. Cool. Right? Good. Excellent. Mm-hmm. After the break, we're going to go find RJ a dickhole to go along with his other. A what? A sorry what? After watching mm. our movie, did you hop on Amazon and check out uh, leather goods? Well, I've been a leather daddy for some time for yeah. a different there reason. You, see, there you go. A different reason. Just, just in the closet this whole time. 
with your leather. Well, I mean, I, I, I go, I'm kind of the Tobias Funke approach to it, right. you know? Never nude like, with your leather pants. A never nude, but something, I just want something that says daddy likes leather. Right. That's all. Right. Mm-hmm. You can email us at criteriaincrease at gmail.com and send us your pics of whatever the fuck you're doing over there, wherever you Pinks. are. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. We're on YouTube. We're on Patreon. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, all that good stuff. RedTube. Ah, SexTube. Oh, next week, Spine 224. Ah. Samuel Fuller's Pickup on South Street from 1953 going to be a commie bashing good time and we'll be joined by email alum and now creep patreon samuel sanchez baby sam sanchez in the flesh uh in the digital flesh the new the new flesh in the new flesh wow 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 can't wait a a new member a new member of the patreon Creep martyrdom. The Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. We'll be putting that face up there next. Yeah, we just need one. Oh, no, that, he's our fourth, so now we can complete it. Only our fourth? Yeah, because we had uh, Frank Santoro, yeah. Justin Peterson, Olivier. Oliver Granger, and uh, now Sam Sanchez. Yeah, I guess uh, Evan doesn't oh. count. Oh. I, was, I forgot, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't count. No, not really. We just needed a, a Russian expert for that episode. Yeah. That's a, a different big, story. A, a, a real Turk head. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> good night, sweet dreams, and uh, sorry the episode's late, guys. Whatever. We we what? How long have we been talking? Like five hours? Jeez. Yeah, yeah they'll, they'll get what they pay for. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's too bad it's uh, 12 hours late. But, you know, it's longer than norm- the last couple of events, so there whatever. Go. There you go. Mm-hmm. Well, good night. Uh, yeah. Uh, nail to the dick. <laughs>